the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Christine Lavelle is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from apple trees, tomato seeds and Victoria plums. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Jean from West Mersey. Jean, what are we talking about in Good your morning, garden? Ken. What are we talking about in your you garden? Well, um, I'll tell you what, we'll try, shall we, Jean? I'm sure you will. Um, I'm going out today to try and get a lace capped hydrangea. And I'm wondering um, if I can get one. Is it too soon to put it in the garden, or should I keep it indoors? Oh, uh, now, don't people what I shouldn't. It sounds like I'm being rude to you, and I'm not. People worry that a plant has to go indoors. Now, if you go to a garden centre, what are they all doing? They're all sitting outdoors, aren't they? True. Yeah. So why would you put it indoors? Would oh, you buy? Right. Now, Christine, I yeah. hydrangeas. Yeah. Then I bet there aren't many for sale at them this time of year because they normally sell them when they've got green growth on them, don't they? Yeah, if you go to a, a good um, garden centre, I mean, one of my favourites is Perrywoods. Have you ever been to Perrywoods? Oh, yes, it's on my doorstep, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because I live in Colchester, so it's one of my favourites. Well, it is my favourite, actually. <laughs> and Perrywoods <laughs> Not that it? we're advertising. No, there no, are well, other, I'm there not. Are, <laughs> no, we must best say there are other there many are. good garden yeah, centres around. Yeah, and... Uh, and poplar nurseries are very good as well. But if you go to a good um, garden centre, there will be an array of uh, plants outside in their, their outdoor area. And even though they're not in flower, you'll be able to probably see if they've got some hydrangeas, which I would imagine they would do. And in terms of can you plant them out at the moment or not, of course, you, you know, you can plant them out. But one of the things that you should avoid doing is planting them if it's frosty. Right. And planting it if it's really windy as well, especially if you've got bare root plants, which it's probably not going to be. It's probably going to be in a pot. But yeah, so the the trick is to make sure that you've um, cultivated your soil before you plant it, and that means just turning it over, adding a bit of organic matter, you know, compost from your compost heap or a bit of leaf mold that you've got, and then and then putting it in position. And I must just add into that: if you haven't got either of those in your own garden, you can buy planting compost at a garden centre yeah good idea yeah and and i know christine mentioned frost but what she means i'm just gonna sorry i'm not correcting you christine, oh no no but, that's fine but we're talking about frost in the ground not just on the top are we yeah well where it's sort of penetrating a yes. little bit down yeah. through the surface yeah. yeah which it hasn't yet <laughs> yeah because you can always scrape like surface but yeah. what happens is if you dig in a plant and it's got frost and then you dig the, the frost in around the root system that when the roots start growing out the frost crystals can kill off some roots if you've yeah, actually dug yeah. it in in the frost, so yeah. that's oh, best to avoid. I'm on keeping it in a pot, so that should be all right, oh, isn't it? Oh, if you're planting it in a pot, yes, and definitely use Johnny and his compost for it. Johnny yeah. and his number three. Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for all your help. Let us know which one you get and how we get on with it as well. Thank you okay? very much, Ben and Chris. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye there. Uh, that was Jean from West Mersey, and we go to Claire in Benfley. Hello, Claire. Hi. Hi. Um, the problem is not in our garden, it's in the bedroom. 
Um, we've got this indoor plant that yes. I can best describe as looking like a big coconut, and it has tall, long green leaves that come out of it at one end, and all of a sudden it's just died, and I don't know why. Right. So we don't know what it is, but we okay. Let's just go for it. it's a house plant. It's in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it it's looks not like a coconut. Yeah. But it's okay. Got tall, long green leaves. Is your well, right. well, most house plants come from tropical areas yeah. from you know warmer climates than we've got here and they don't like winter purely because no. it, it's dry yeah and and also the heating goes off in the night time usually and then it gets colder or it's colder in the night time anyway and so that fluctuation in temperature isn't really good for plants that come from warmer climates so that could have an effect in it you could have overwatered it you could have underwatered well, it the only thing i could think of was that it sort of coincided dying. We had the aircon in the bedroom all through the summer, and we didn't turn it off. Right. So it was a constant temperature in the bedroom the whole summer. And when we turned it off, that's when it sort of died. Do you think uh, that's what it was? Well, that's what Christine was just saying, fluctuating temperature. Is it a... F right, we don't know what plant it is. Uh, you've described it as a coconut. Has it got frondy big leaves or not? Uh, what does frondy mean? Um, <laughs> tall... Is it like a palm? Yes. So you think it and slim leaves. Slim leaves. Yeah. So it's a cordyline or a, a dracaena or something like that, and the stem goes up and the leaves fall off occasionally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Has it got a cluster of leaf at the top at all? No, every leaf is dead. I've looked in between the leaves for new growth, and it's all dead. It doesn't sound good. Um, no. It's the soil damp in it. Yeah, I water it maybe once or twice a week. Yes, the soil that, is damp. I, I, think, I think Christine's cracked it. You said overwatering, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, and night temperatures it. drop and they can't always cope with it. Um, don't throw it away. Let it dry right out and see what happens to it before you throw it away. I never throw anything away, do you, Christine, to start with? Or do you oh, chuck I, them out? I throw <laughs> loads of stuff away. Oh. If, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's not up to, to the grade, it goes and then I go and get another one. <laughs> So anyway, so so watch and see how it gets on, um, but let it dry out first before you. If you're yeah, very the dead leaves off. If the, if yeah. the leaves are dead, yeah. take them off. Yeah, yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. Okay, Claire. Right, lovely. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, Claire. And that's move Claire it, from Bentley. Move it out of the bedroom. Yeah, give it a bit, more, and it yeah. needs good light. Good yes. light. Uh, John from Rayleigh. Are we in the garden or are we indoors? Like uh, Claire was, John. We're in. Uh, it's growing seeds. Oh, seeds. What seeds are you trying to grow, John? Some tomato seeds. Yep. And um, peppers. Right, OK. And well, I've never been really successful with uh, growing seeds. OK. Until you put it in compost, I've tried seed compost and ordinary compost and never sort of got a really good show out of them. Where are you growing them, John? Greenhouse. In the greenhouse. Do you have any heat in the greenhouse? You're using propagators? Yeah. Well, do you know what I would do if I was you, if you're not getting uh, really good uh. success? I would maybe try some in the propagator and then try some in the windowsill in the house because my dad does his in the windowsill. I, I mean, we've got all professional facilities at work, so obviously, you know, they, they, we've tried and tested and it's going to go. But on an amateur uh, basis, my dad does his in the windowsill and he gets these uh, pots that have got a little uh, plastic cloche over the top of them um, and then he sows his tomato seeds there, puts a little bit of compost over the top, 
and then um, they're sort of contained within that, that little plastic cloche and you get some really good germination from that. But one of the things is, are you sewing it at the right time of year? I would actually leave sewing your tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I would do it in March. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's too early. Yeah, it's too early now. So I would wait till March. I mean, you, you can do them in February, but March is probably a better time to do them. Do they not germinate or do you have, uh, do they die when they've germinated? They don't just seem to germinate. They don't germinate. In a propagator, it's, they should germinate. Uh, but it's probably, it seems to me, just from, obviously I can't yeah. see it, but it might be that it's not hot enough because tomatoes, again, are from warmer climates than we've got here yeah, and they right. do need a temperature of at least about sort of 18 degrees, so 15, 18 degrees to, to germinate. So bringing them inside on a windowsill would be maybe better than a cold greenhouse, perhaps. Yeah. Right. So if you've got cold greenhouse and a propagator, you're still up against it because the night temperatures are going to drop quite yeah. dramatically even though you've got a propagator. Yeah, yeah but it's all been bubble wet. Yeah. But yeah, but even although you've got, yeah. you have got. I mean, this week as an example, we had down to minus fours, didn't we? And then yeah. suddenly it goes up again. So fluctuating temperatures are quite difficult. And in fact, last year is a good example where, when people were sowing, um, we had huge fluctuations in temperatures. So yeah. in fact, that wouldn't have helped you last year. So if it's not what's outside, I'd try it inside in the, you know, in the windowsill. And don't try it yet. You're a little bit early. Yeah. I mean, people have people have started growing chilies on their on the windowsills indoors at the moment because it gives good light. And I know somebody last week was talking about sowing chilies at this time of the year. All right. Right. So, so you could try a few of those on the windowsill even now and see how you get on. Not the tomatoes, but you could do the peppers. Right. Okay. That's lovely. All right. Let's know how you get on. Can you? Okay, might as well journey. Lovely. Don't forget that uh, you're listening to BBC Essex, and of course we're also available on the BBC Sounds app. You have to go to Ken Crowther to find us on the BBC Sounds app, but you can listen, you can take it wherever you want on the app. So there. And uh, we'll be talking to uh, talking about somebody who's obviously listens on the app, who's from Edinburgh, is asking about a plant that I was talking about just last week. Let's uh, now go to Bob in Rayleigh. Hello, Bob. Good morning, Ken. Um, since moving up here a couple of years ago... Say, I, I, now, I'd like to know, where, where's up here from? From Portsmouth. Oh, so it's definitely up here, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> OK, Bob, yes. Right. Um, I caught the end of a conversation of yours a couple of weeks back, and you were talking about cocoa shells. Yes. Yes? We were. Um, I used them down there, mm-hmm. and I swore by them all around the pots and the borders and everything. Yeah. Since moving up here, I can't find them anywhere for love and money. They are available. I've. So, just, they've sort of gone out of fashion a bit now, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I think it's just. Yeah, I think it's out of fashion. And we did. And in fact, I'm going to have to mention it again because if not, um, people will ring me up. But there was somebody who rang in after my conversation. I don't know whether you can remember it. Can you remember my conversation, Bob? Because I was yeah, talking. Yeah. We were talking about them. And then somebody rang in and said that, they, uh, that somebody's dog had eaten them because they smell of chocolate. This yeah, dog had yeah. eaten them and the dog had died. Yeah, they're toxic to they're dogs. They're toxic yeah. to dogs. Yeah. So that is my reminder for anybody else listening that is thinking of using yeah. cocoa shell, don't if you've got an animal, that uh, a dog particularly. But, Bob, you should be able to get them. I mean, you can definitely get them online. I've seen them online. But a good garden centre should have them. You're in Rayleigh, Rayleigh, Rayleigh. Have you tried um, Alton Garden Centre at all? 
No, that's the only one I haven't tried at the present, but everybody well, around here... Alton used to. I don't know whether they're listening at Alton. They used to listen to me at Alton when uh, we were on earlier in the morning. I don't know whether <laughs> they listen now. But if anybody's listening at Alton, Alton uh, Garden Centre and is selling them, uh, why not um, give us a ring? And uh, perhaps uh, perhaps we could, we could find out. Um, I also... Um, might be able to find out from somebody here because I know somebody who works at Alton Garden Centre and, in fact, um, they might be able to tell us. But, in fact, they're not listening at this moment. But I'll see what I can find out for you and I'll give you a call. Uh, we'll mention it on the airways. How about that? Is that That's all right? Lovely. OK, Thanks. Bob. Thanks very much. Time now to take a look at the plant of the week, which is Lanistra fragrantissima. Everybody thinks of Lanistras as being honeysuckles. Well, yes, they are. But the difference is Lanistra fragrantissima is a shrubby one. There are other shrubby ones around, but I'm not going to go into those at the moment. So a woody honeysuckle shrub. However, what do you grow it for? I'll tell you what I grow it for. The perfume. It's so strong, it's like hyacinths. It's a native of China, and a Scottish plant hunter called Robert Fortune actually first discovered it in 1845. And one of the first known plants was in Hatfield House, the home of the Marquis of Salisbury. And it was first started to be sold in the UK in 1860. Do you know, when you look back at dates like that, it's quite surprising <laughs> where all these plants came from. It really is. Anyway, native of China. Deciduous plant. Um, in all honesty, as a green plant in your garden, it's... I shouldn't say this, but it's boring. It really is a boring summer plant, but it makes up for it in the winter. It drops its leaves, and in the winter, you get these beautiful white, creamy white flowers. They're set in pairs up the stems. Um, they have a little touch of lemon, but honestly, I think hyacinth is the best way of describing them. They are so sweet. In fact, some people would even say they're too sweet, but plant them somewhere near the house, that you can enjoy. I always remember walking to a house in Thaden Boys, standing by the front door, and I'm thinking, where's the hyacinths? And in fact, just on the corner of the house, there was a Lanistra fragrantissima, and it was beautiful. I'll never forget it. So um, it produces red berries, like a lot of honeysuckles, not an exciting berry. Uh, you can grow them from the berry, and you'd have to give them a bit of a time, a bit of a cool time to get them to germinate, perhaps pop them in the freezer or something like that can often be used as a hedge um, with its ovate green leaves. It looks quite nice in summer, and you can be quite ruthless with your pruning. It puts up with partial shade, pretty well any soil, but it doesn't like sitting in water. The other thing, good thing about it, and of course there's lots of coastal areas in Essex, is that it'll put up with coastal conditions as well. If you want to give more to your friends hardwood cuttings in autumn is the easiest way of growing them so they are lanistra fragrantissima buy it for its perfume plant it near the house but not too close to the house because it can if you let it grow grow six foot high and four foot wide in fact a recorded one of 15 meters believe it or not in this country so watch out for it but it's worth having in your garden uh, Sheila in Eastwood, what do you got for us today, Sheila? Oh, hello. Um, I really need to know how to look after a dendrobium. I had one for Christmas and it was full of flower, but they're now fading. Right. I want to know what to do. Dendrobium is part of the orchid family, isn't it, Christine? Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, 
the dendrodium, you only cut off pieces that have gone brown. Yeah. If not, you leave well alone, basically, don't you? Yeah, I mean, orchids, you, you could always pot it up if it needs potting up, but um, but they're actually better to be a little bit more confined than yeah. a normal house plant. And if you did want to pot it up, you'd have to get um, sort of special... Or I would actually recommend getting special orchid uh, compost, which is made up mainly of bark. Right, so you really look after that the same as you do the Phalaenopsis ones, then? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Are you oh. are you a bit of a, an orchid enthusiast? Well, I've had a couple of phalaenopsis for ages. They've uh-huh. died off and then they've come again. But I've always used the drip feeders on them, yeah. and I wasn't sure. As this looks so completely different, I wasn't sure what to do. No, no, quite similar. All right, I'll have a go at that then. Yeah, it's things like the cymbidiums that you treat, you know, slightly different because they're from cooler climates and so on. All right. Oh, okay then. All right. Thank and you very much. Thank you very much thank indeed. That's, and don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 And what we were trying to find out, I don't know whether anybody at, any, anybody at Alton is listening, but we wanted to find out whether they sell cocoa shell as a mulch. Uh, and we'll see if we can find out for you. Okay, uh, that was one. And anywhere else that's selling it across the county, give us a call because uh, we were after tracking it down, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, we were. Okay, let's go back to the phones at 0800 111 That's the number to call or 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. And we now go to Paul. Paul in Whittam. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Ken. What? Um, yeah. Firstly, you shouldn't be, in theory, you shouldn't be pruning um, plums at this time of the year. I, know, I was wondering about that. I just, yeah. I just leave it for... Well, I would... It's the summer, I, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. prune them in the summer. I would actually, yeah. in some ways, I would leave it. I would take it, I would take it grows. back to, I would take it take back it to back. the nursery, how old, yeah. how old is it? Well, I bought it at the beginning of last year. Well, so you're the beginning of this year, aren't you now? Yes. Um, was, is it in a container? I bought them as, as patio plants. And it's still in the same container? Well, I, no, it came as... I had to put them in there. They, I think they were... Were they bare-rooted? I'm not sure. I think they were my thing. Could have been bare-rooted if you bought it this time of year. Yes, and... and Do you know what I'm thinking, take Ken? A, take a picture. I'm, I'm thinking that it was really, really dry last year in the well, summer. Well, I did try to keep it watered. And also, what I'd done at the beginning of last season, all of them, is I, they said, I'm going to scrape back the top inch off and put some fresh compost on, like John in his number three... Yeah, yeah. So the the apples, um, lots of fruit on that. Not so much with the pear, but I think the pear caught. We had a frost last year. Yes, late frost. That caught the frost. Yeah. Um, But the the plum seems to be struggling all the time. You know, Um, 
it's got some new growth on it. I just wondered if, like, it, if that, that old bit was cut off, whether that new piece would. It depends well. how much. How much new have you got? That's well, the stems come up about. They're coming up about three or four feet. And is this, that, is this, that below or above the graft? Uh, I think it's above it. Because if it's below it, you're just going to get the root stock. Yeah, no, no, it's above it. Yeah, so you could do that then, because that will Wait be the... Wait till it grows. Yeah. Wait till it yeah. starts growing. Get yes. into April at the earliest. Because I've never heard you say that sometimes if you cut them too, they, they bleed, don't they? No, you no. Uh, don't worry about. You can't worry about plums and that. In at Easter, about it. Well, I don't know when Easter is, but April. Easter, late, Easter's quite late. Yeah, late April, you could yes. cut the dead bit off yes. and then see how the other bit grows. Okay. But I would also drop them an email and say that you're a bit disappointed because send them a picture. Are you an emaily person? No, but funny enough, I had a, a, a catalogue through from them yesterday. <laughs> Give them a call. Give them yeah. a call and talk to them because they might yeah. just send you another one. I don't know. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Paul, but always worth talking to suppliers, and I don't think yeah. enough of us do. You know, yeah. it's go back and say, look, it's not quite doing. Don't don't go off the handle. Just talk to them, and I think people are often happy to hear how good the stock is. Yeah, I think that's really important. So there you are. That's. Uh, we're here to answer your gardening questions on 0800 And don't forget that as well, you can text me, 81333. Start the message with the word Essex. Uh, we are now going to, where well, we were, Florence. Hello, Florence. Oh, hello. Hello, good morning to you. I've got an apple and a plum tree in the garden. And I've recently bought some fairy gnome for the plum tree and was told this will do for the apple tree as well. Is this correct? No. Um, No, it's plum moth and then you've got an apple moth and they actually appear at different times. Well, have you got two traps or one trap? Only one. No, you'd need a trap on each tree. Oh, they didn't say that. Well, how big the trees? Oh, they're, they're quite size. Yeah, you definitely need one to each, wouldn't you, Christine? Oh, it's no good, yeah. you know, if it's a reasonable-sized tree. Pheromone trap will trap the male uh, moths. To, they end up being stuck to this disgusting stuff that's inside them. What a horrible way to go, isn't it's it? It's not funny, is no. it? But it's it, a sort it of... It also says on the packet to do this out in May. That seems rather late in the year. You put them out when it's flowering. Now, your plum will flower before your apple. Ah. Normally, a plum will flower a bit earlier, won't yep. it, than an apple? Yeah, so you need yeah. to actually put them out just as they're starting to flower. I see. Okay. That's, that's the most important thing. Okay, thank you very much. That's all right. That's a pleasure. Um, always ask and explain exactly what you're after because uh, too it's too easy to get the wrong thing for the wrong, isn't it? The wrong the wrong product for the wrong, yeah, you know quite, what I mean. quite hard sometimes when people it try is. to explain it. Yeah. You've got to visualise it. <laughs> We're going to Leon C. It's not even sunny at Leon C, is it, Audrey? It's nice and warm, though. It is. It's, oh, it's, it's good. good. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Bit more cold next week, they promise us, but... I, I expect so, yeah. Goes anyway, up and down like a yo-yo. 
Well, I wanted to know, when do I cut my roses back? And then I've started <laughs> shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, and I, Ken and I are just laughing yeah. because... Yeah, we talk last, about that, don't we? Yeah, because last year we had it that, that Ken always does his earlier than mine, so... Mm. so are you yeah. a late March? But Christine, when when do you actually do them? I do the, I do mine mid-March. And Mid-March. We're talk, we're I'm an about, early March. Yeah. Say. As soon as March comes in, I do them. But, right, yeah. the reason you wouldn't prune them now... Why is the reason you wouldn't yeah. prune them now, Christine? Well, if you if you prune them now and then you had some uh, like warm spell, say it got warmer. In fact, it's yeah. meant to be about eleven degrees at some mm-hmm. stage in the next week or so, that you could get the where you've pruned it back to. The buds can burst and oh. then growth can start. And then if you get oh. a you know the frost comes back, which yeah. it can do, uh, then these buds can well they can get killed yeah. off. Yeah, why, why I was why because they're shooting already, you know. I yeah. well, don't worry about that. Don't don't worry about that at all. Just just let them yeah. shoot, and then yeah. you can. Um, did you do a winter prune on your roses yes, uh, to I did stop? That. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah. Just but taking I off when the. I've got to cut them right down. You know. Yeah, no. You cut, see in nurseries. Yeah, cut them right down to about two to three buds uh, in a goblet shape. Round about mid March should be a good Thank time. I mean, Ken, the, the thing is, I think I probably do mine later because I was trained in Scotland. Oh, that and, will make a difference. And it does make a difference, but I think uh, you know. Most of the time, I think you could get away with doing it sort of, you know, sometimes around about late February, but it's these particular years where you get late frost, it's always better leaving it to yeah. March, either early or, or mid. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And what about uh, hydrangeas? I've got the flowers still on those. I'll leave them on because they'll offer a bit of protection to your buds that are going to flower below. And because if you, because frost always sits on the top of a plant and works its way down. So if you remove these, the frost would sit on the buds at the top and then they could get frosted. So leave them on and take them off round about sort of like late March. And it's interesting sitting here, Audrey, it's it's quite interesting sitting here because different different people come in and and work with me here on the programme. And in fact, uh, I think it's uh, Jeff Hodge came in and he said it's been proved, he says it's been proved, that it makes no difference at all. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's interesting but that I everybody have, has I different opinions, isn't it? Of hyd- yeah, I, I, know. Have, I have seen tips of hygiene just flossy yeah. back. I know. So yeah. I'd do the same as Christine. Leave them yeah. on until later on. Late all right? March. Thank you very much for your help, both of you. That's a pleasure, Thanks. Audrey. <laughs> And do you know, Ken, I think I think they actually look really nice in the frost I and do. so on when you've got the if We've you got leave a lovely, heads on. lovely bed, a garden that we look after against the wall. There's a bed of um, Annabelle. Oh yeah, and they've got these lovely brown heads on against yeah. the, a whitish wall. I tell oh, you, what, it's lovely. a picture. Yeah. Brown stems, brown heads, gorgeous. Anyway, uh, we better move on. We go to Ray. Hello, Ray. Oh, good morning, Ken. I've got a question on lawn maintenance. Yeah. Um, Following the hot summer last year, I had quite a number of uh, bare patches occur. Haven't had it before. And I do spike and fertilise the lawn. But these bare patches have now got moss on them. And what I thought I would do, um, if you could advise me, if I scraped... uh, the uh, bare patches, put some turf dressing down, and then lawn seed, whether that's okay. But right. the turf dressing I've got is a bit black and sootyfied, and I wondered if I should mix that with uh, 
compost. It's funny, actually, you say that, because um, I was using some lawn dressing the other day, and in fact, I switched companies, and uh, I, I actually went from, I can't remember which way round. One was a, a Scots product, and one was a Westland product. So I've mentioned two products yeah. here, and I don't know which is which, but one was black and not as friable as the other one, which was brown. And the brown one was sandier. And it's quite interesting how they were yeah. both turf dressings, yeah. but they were very different. If and in fact, yes, I've had that. And the browner well, my, one was definitely better. Mine is Westland, actually. I don't know where... Oh, well, it's black. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other one's brown. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. The point is, we're talking moss here, aren't we? You've got moss yes, on uh, it. that moss has grown over the bare patches. So yeah. we've got to get rid of the moss, haven't yeah, we, before you, we do anything, Christine? Yeah, you want to start doing your lawn maintenance roundabout in the springtime would be a, a good could, time. You could get rid of moss now, couldn't you? You could, you could get rid of moss lawn now. Time. Oh, you could get rid of moss now if you... Um, Treat if you, it. If you were going to turf it. So what you could do for these bare patches, you could actually get um, a half moon and cut these bare patches out and then get... Turfing. It's cheap, isn't it? Yeah, buy, buy a bit of turf in and then cut the same um, the, the same size out and then just fit it in there. That's one way that you could do it. If not, you're going to overseed as you and are. But you've got... Yeah. The most important thing, Ray, is that you've got to kill the moss before yep. you remove it because yeah. you spread the spores yeah. and it will then spread and spread and spread. Right. And when would you yep. say... It's, it, you see... So you know about killing the moss. I'm not. Uh, well, I know what you're saying about it, it does spread, but I, I'd rather just sort of like scrape it off with it. You're too organic. You've got to uh, kill it. I know. <laughs> no, hang on. There are some organic. Uh, there's one called Actobacter. I think it's known Actobacter. Actor, something like that. There is. There are some organic moss removers, Ray. Yeah. yeah. And they will actually fertilise your lawn at the same time. Mm -hmm. They will get rid of moss and they will fertilise your lawn. Mobacter. Oh, I think it's called Mobacter. All right. Look out for that. It it definitely works. But people, I mean, I went to a job the other day, um, not a job, I walked an area, and someone has seeded just recently. Yeah. Now, it might work, but it might not work. It depends on the weather, doesn't it? Well, again... So it would could, you it, seed it, yet? No, I wouldn't, no, because because it's not that it might not kill the grass. It would... If you get some late frosts after it's germinated, you could really stress the grass out. That it just sort of sits there, you know, not doing very much. So, what month would you actually overseed, as uh, Ray's suggesting? So, I would do it in March. So, if I was going to seed, yeah. I'd do the whole thing in March. If I was going to turf, you can do it any time now, as long as it's not frosty. Does that help you, Ray? Yeah. Should I put lawn sand on, sort of now, to try and kill that moss off? No, hang on. There's. You you said you talked about lawn dressing, yeah. A uh, yeah, I mean, I want to get rid of the moss first. Obviously, yeah. I would honestly, I'd use a liquid moss killer or Mobacter, which is a natural organic one. The thing Mo about the the thing about the lawn sand, and this is coming from an environmental point of view. It's not. I don't like uh, lawn sand because that's got ferrous you, sulfate, isn't it? Ferrous sulfate. Yeah. And so what? You used to have mercury. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> In the good old days. It has been proven. <laughs> The, the birds come down and yep. get the moss uh, that you've killed off, and they'll, they'll, well, not you personally, but, but in general. For nesting, And yeah. they, they nest it, and they actually take the ferrous sulphate up into the, the nest with them. And so it doesn't affect the adult birds, but when the chicks hatch out from the nest, uh, their their skin is is, is, is exposed to, to the ferrous sulphate, and it burns them, and, and it can actually kill them. They are right. So that's why oh, yeah, I was saying well, I don't really like using moss killer. All right? No, thank you very much. 
Back to your garden questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Christine, what's your first one? Oh, well, a lot of people think this time of year there's not much to do in the garden. Well, there's loads. There are absolutely loads to do. And one of the things that I would recommend to people in the garden is to get out there and have a look at your compost heap and see, you know, how it is at the moment. It's probably... Um, in a bit of disarray so this is a good time of year to clean out your compost heap to either take everything out the bin or take everything out your bay and then start to chop up bits that are too big if you've got if your compost heap has got too dry to chop it up and water it and then relayer it back in the compost heap and then you're ready for it to start breaking down when the warmer weather comes along and getting good compost pretty you know quite soon into the spring it's easy but you have to just look after it a little bit, really, isn't it? You do. People think you you know, you just leave a compost heap and it gets on with it. Well, it does, but it does it really slowly. To get that compost in your garden and have a good turnaround in it, you need to do things. You need to water it. You need to keep it warm. And turn it over. And you need to turn it over to get the air in. Because when I was a, a wee girl, I just thought that it was the, the sun and the rain that broke down the leaves and everything that was in it. But it's the bacteria. It's all your little friends, your bacteria, the fungi. Then you get your bigger decomposers like worms and slaters, as we call them in Scotland, wood lice down here. And, the, you know, you need to make sure that they're in conditions that they like. So you need to give them air, you need to give them water and you need to give them warmth. So this time of year, if you haven't got a, a lid on your compost, if you've got an open one, you could get um, a tarpaulin to put over it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, it just gets too wet. What's your other tip for them now then? So top tip, uh, other top tip is to just top your lawn off if if it's not too wet in your grass, and you see that's even slightly longer, even in patches. It's worth just putting is, putting your lawnmower on a high cut and just going over and tipping your grass. And it means that when it does start growing in the spring that you haven't got too many what I'd call overgrowths, you know, where they're just too high and then when you cut them they're all yellow after that. Just a, a little tip on your lawn would be would be good at this but time. But avoid yeah. wet and cold weather. That's Absolutely, all. yeah. Yeah. Wait for a sort of dry day, a dry sunny day to do it. Thank you, Christine. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Christine in Benfleet now. Sorry to keep you waiting, Christine. OK, <laughs> morning. Um, my question's about a salvia, uh, yep. hot lips. Yep. Um, can we move it? Because we, put, we planted it about three years ago. It's too near the front and it's very bushy. We did cut it back last year a bit. But it's very bushy and we'd like to move it back. Is is that yeah. wise? <clears throat> oh, you, and yes, when you, should we do it? Yeah, you certainly can do it. We've got loads in our garden, salvia hot lips. It's lovely. So yeah. because it's just slightly tender, I would wait till round about March time to move it. March time. And then just make sure that you cut a really good root ball around it, you know, that you're not skimping on leaving, you know, too little root and too little soil. So try and get a decent amount of soil to move it with. Right. Right. Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, and I'll tell you what, they're well worth growing. They really do, you know, value for money, they are. Sorry to to keep you waiting, Barry. Barry, what you got for us? You've almost answered the question by one of the previous ones. (laughs) (laughs) um, Right. I've noticed a lot of uh, moss on my lawn. Yep. And I'm wondering when I can start putting moss killer down. It's interesting because I think... um, that looking round a lot of gardens that I do in the week, 
Um, I think that mainly it's a problem that the summer killed so many of our fine grasses yeah. that um, we've ended up with a lot more moss. Would you agree, Christine? Yeah, Do you think absolutely. that's a re response to it, isn't it? So the answer is, when do you put your moss killer on? <laughs> is that right? That's, well, we, that's a question. Well, we're your moss killer, because I work with a guy who's he's uh, worked with some guys at Wimbledon and some of the football clubs, and he works up at Rittle College, and I, and I was asking him what he thought about weed feeding moss kill one time a few years ago. You know how you can yeah, buy you it in a wanna? Yep. And he says, no, it's a bit like two-in-one shampoo that... It never, re none of them really do the job. So you're actually better doing them separate. So do uh, a separate so, moss so, kill. So always do the moss kill before you do your scarification and your feeding and your over. So that's usually done in March. So just yeah. a bit I before think you're then. A bit, you're a bit early, I think, yeah. for doing it, Barry. Yeah, I was thinking of the old um, um, false falsate of iron. Ferrous sulphate, isn't it? Or sulphate of iron. Sulphate of iron. Yeah, yeah, I used that years ago on a cricket pitch, and it killed, it killed the moss. I bet you it went black, didn't it? Goes it, black. It went completely it? black. But I tell you what, the following season, you couldn't get clubs out. <laughs> the batting was so great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what I'm thinking about: yeah. is the sulphate of iron, and when can I start using it? I would, I would not start moss killing generally at least till the end of February in yeah. all honesty. I would say yeah. end of February beginning, beginning of, of March. March. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's lovely. Thank you very much. That's everybody. a pleasure Barry. Uh, that's Barry sorted with his moss. A lot of moss problems and there are yeah. a lot of moss problems. We go to Sid from Thundersea. Hi Sid. Good morning Ken and Christine. Um, morning. Just a question about, uh, good morning, just a question about laurels. Yeah. Um, I've Got a, about a hundred laurels I, 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 in pots, about sixteen inches high. Uh, I want to put them in bigger pots. Can I yep. do it this time of year? And what I've, I've got a choice of what to use. Uh, I've got some wood ash, some perlite, three-year-old horse manure, compost from garden centre, and topsoil. I wonder if I should use any of those and what ratio, please. Could, could oh, I just ask you, just out of curiosity, yeah? Why are they in pots? Yeah. I, I actually bought a lot from uh, eBay from some Irish company. Very pleased with them. They're a very reasonable price. Uh, I took cuttings off those. The cuttings have all, mostly all of them, been successful. Yep. And yeah. I've got them in pots, and I ultimately I want to sell them or use them around the perimeter of some land I have. Right. As a okay. Page. Don't forget, though, if they're 18 inches high, have you cut the tips out? Yes, that's when I took the cuttings. Uh, I took the cuttings, cutting them down and, and right. using that for cuttings. And every time a tip grows, have you got any side shoots? Yes, I have. That's all right. That's it, good. And keep tipping it. Tip the side shoots, tip the tops, and you'll get a lovely bush. Yep. Now, so, what, what so you've, got, yeah. you've got compost. Is the compost a... Well, a peat or suit or similar compost, or is it a John Innes compost? It's um, it's uh, called Verb. The man, the people that sell it, and it's if I can mention the name, it's from B and Q in big bags. Right, so, so that will be a, a peat or an yeah. a multi. It's a multi-purpose compost. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I wouldn't use that on its own. I'd maybe uh, get some. I'd mix it with soil. You said you got soil. Yeah, topsoil. Topsoil, 
Multi-purpose. I wouldn't put any old horse manure in there. No. None of that. No. Perlite, don't need it. You can, I, you can I mix, just mix you can, the two. Yeah. Soil, 50-50, soil and, yeah. soil and the compost, wouldn't you? Yeah, and uh, I, 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 always, I always quite like mixing a bit of perlite and not a huge oh, amount. Just a bit. Just to, just to open it up. They are? But I've got... That's I've what got they're look, in at the moment. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Go on. I've got a little tip for you that... How you were saying you're yeah. going to put it around the perimeter of your your area? Well, you know, potting plants up it costs a lot of money for the compost and a lot of time as well. Yeah. So if you're actually thinking about putting them around your put them in, yeah, just put them in. Yep, just put them in now. It will not. I would actually because they're evergreens. Well, are they outside at the moment? Yes, they're all outside. Yeah, yeah. so they yeah, put them I, in I now. would put them in now then because they'll all have been yeah. hardy enough. And so that'll save you having to pot the ones that you're and going the, to put around your perimeter and then, keep, and then pot the rest up. And keep the others for selling. How about that? Yeah, now that's great. Just one more. Uh, would you put the wood ash in the mix at all, or isn't that worth It's my own from a wood burner, actually, so I know what the uh, yeah. wood is and everything. Not wood, something I've really no, done, actually. No, wood ash no. I would put into soil areas and dig in. I would add yeah. it to compost heaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I would not necessarily mix it in case some of it is exposed on the soft white roots and it could burn them. Mm. I see. Oh, and did, I don't know if I asked you, can I do this now? I think yes. I should ask you. Yep, so no I problem at all. Any time yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for all your help. That's a pleasure. Uh, yes, Sid always. from Thundersley potting up his laurels. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. That's the number to call. Not many texts today on 81333. Start the message with the word Essex. Very quiet. Um, Have we done the one from Edinburgh yet? No, we haven't done Edinburgh yet. I'm in trouble, am I, yet? <laughs> Let's, um, I've got another one. No, let's, let's go to Dunmo first. Let's pop over to Dunmo and talk to Derek. Aren't we, Derek? Good morning, Ken. Hello there. And how, how's you today? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. I've just right. got back from walking the dog, sir. Oh, right. So, gardening. What are we doing yeah. in the garden? Snowdrops. I've always had snowdrops, um, but they seem to be coming up in all sorts of places at the moment, and I'd like to transplant them. When do I do it? Well... There's several times you could. Uh, the best time that most people say is um, is is buying them in the you know in the green. So you can dig them up. Yeah, but actually, do you know when they're actively growing? When? Uh, well, it's when, now. When? It's now. Now. So just do it now. Do it now. I I would usually wait till the flower had finished. Yeah, possibly. if you yeah enjoy wait, them, wouldn't but you? But actually, you know, I spoke to. Um, Dave, who's the head nurseryman at Beth Chatter Garden. Oh yeah, we talked that chat yeah, about Dave, snowdrops. Yeah. And um, and Dave was saying that actually the best time is just when they're just coming up. Oh, because, right. Because if you transplant them, if they're just coming up and they're still growing, they'll put root down in the area where you've transplanted them to. I mean, the other best time is after the flower. But actually, if they're still doing a little bit of growing now, which they are, I would do it now if it's not going to, uh, if you're not too bothered about the flowering. Okay. Oh, fine. Yeah, Derek. I'd like to get them all together. Yeah, make a show. Uh, they do, and then they'll spread more. If they're, if they're in clusters, they seem to spread easier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, and what about bluebells? I've got bluebells that are well, going mad. They're pigs to dig up because they're so deep. But yeah. again, the same, after flowering. After flowering. When you've still got your green on them. Oh, yeah. lovely. Okay, oh. thanks very much for your help. 
the uh, bluebells are a real pain though to dig aren't they now i'm going to i've got to go to we'll go to travel in just a little while but um i will read this out because it's from marianne everett dovink and she's in craigley road in edinburgh she says saturday morning you talked about the magic of daphne i've got a variegated deciduous one I don't think it is deciduous. We think it's Aurea marginata, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, has a main stem. From that stem, 2.5 feet, she has produced many weeping branches. That's quite high. She has now become very white. I like it's a feminine. She's feminine, this plant. Surprise, has flower buds. It has taken a very long time, nearly four years. They are pedantic, aren't they? They don't uh, always, do you know, you know. They either like you or they don't like you. They're a bit, yeah... I hope they will open when it gets a little warmer. She is in Scotland, it'll be colder. Seeing them <laughs> is more difficult due to the drooping branches. I have two questions. When can I cut back these very low branches and what feed should I give it to encourage it to flower again? You cut back. When would you cut back? It's an evergreen. Well, you shouldn't really cut it back. But if she wants to? Uh, April. April. Yeah. So they are. You cut that back in April. Um, in terms of the feed, I'd just give it a good um, feeding of fish blood and bone. Fish blood and bone, it's again, now. One, yeah. now. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we see it's bacteria, it's, it's broken down by that bacteria, so I would maybe wait till about March time to do that. Now, it's south-facing, but she's surrounded it by, by stones. I wouldn't. I'd, rem I would, I'd remove the stones. I'd remove the stones and put a, something a like a mulch, yeah. because that will look after it a lot better, yeah. and that will hold it moister through the summer period yeah uh, she thanks dave gillen and myself for the advice right and she says we're a great deal warmer down here and i must say that um we're a bit she says we're too early for her well it is 11 o'clock but anyway she <laughs> listens on the bbc sounds app which right. don't forget our program goes out live and is available under ken crowther on the bbc sounds app so that's where uh, she listens. That's Marianne. Hope you heard that and you'll be listening on oh. the Sounds app to catch up with that. Well, hello to everyone from Edinburgh. Cause I, I was born in Edinburgh. And there you do, go. do you know what someone from Edinburgh who's born there is called? No. An Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. There you go. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips Christine has for us this week. Well, this time of year when you... We were staying earlier on, you don't really think that there's much to do. One of the jobs that we used to do, and it didn't matter if it was frosty or whether it was really cold, we'd go and clean the greenhouse out at the National Trust. And you could do the same in your, your lean to or your greenhouse in your garden. And that just means not just cleaning the, gra the glass, but if you've got any pots in there to clean your pots, to stack your pots, to get rid of any weeds in the greenhouse. Um, and then to look at your benches and get a um, like a wire brush, uh, and then just give it a really good clean. So they are. That's another one. Yeah. And have you got another one for us? Last one is: Have you ever sharpened your secateurs? People don't, do they? No, they don't. Not really. Not taking them apart. Well, you could get some spanners uh, or some screwdrivers. Take your secateurs apart. Right. Give them a good clean. Get an oily rag, uh, WD forty as well. And then just clean clean all your bits, sharpen your blade, get an oil stone, you can buy one online really quite easily, uh, and then sharpen your blade, put your secateurs back together, and then you'll be ready for your rose pruning in March. Although I know that you like doing it earlier. <laughs> no, not always. And the other thing is, just on that sharpening, you've got to watch you don't sharpen both sides of the blade, don't you? 
Yeah. If it, if, because it's just sharpening one side, because if not, you'll form a, a, a gap, won't you, which won't cut properly. Yeah, we were just doing it with the students just mm. last week, actually. And I said to the students, do you realise there's only um, one, one, side. one side that's sharp? And I asked Mick, my, my husband, Mick Lavelle, why you don't sharpen them on both sides? Because I got asked that question as a lecturer. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't know. So I went and asked the Oracle, Mr Mick. And he said it's because if you sharpen both sides, they get really thin, that's the right. blade. It breaks off and, and obviously it doesn't cut properly then. So better just to sharpen one side. And when you take the blade off, you'll actually see which side is sharp in order you know because it's a, a slight angle isn't it it is yeah yeah so, that's a great tip and uh, thank you christine for that one as well and we go straight to doreen from Langdon. hello doreen hello good morning to you both um can i ask you i bought uh, some dahlia tubers now on the packet it says plant as soon as you get them but <laughs> i presume it's too early to plant them outside you're is dead is You're it dead. too early to <laughs> them up indoors? You're dead right, actually. And, uh, in fact, um, Dave Gillam, who's a bit of a dahlia expert, he's, uh, he's, I think he's president of the Society, of the Dahlia Society at the moment. And, in fact, he was in last the other week and he was saying that okay. they're selling them, but they're in a packet, get them out the packet yeah. and keep them somewhere cool and dry. Yeah. Now, as for planting them up, planting them up indoors, did you say? Yes, in pots in the. I thought in the pots in the conservatory. No, I don't start it's doing that till about March. Cold. No, I do them in about March. Yeah, is it oh, cold? Yeah, so it's much too early. You can't put them out till well April May when yeah. the frost has finished. Yeah. You see, May would be a good time to put them out. But we we put ours up in March, and uh, we've after we've lifted them. And if you've got them now, just do in exactly packets. what uh, Ken says. Take it out of the packet. And I get something like they a seed. They sweat otherwise, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and I get a seed yeah, tree and yeah. maybe just put a little bit of compost in at the bottom, compost and sand. Dry mix. compost. Yeah, and then you put them on top of there and then you could just do a little sprinkling of compost over there just to keep them a little bit, little bit moist. Boy, and keep yeah. yeah, and keep them in a frost-free area. OK, yes. OK, I'll do that. Yes, thank you very much to both of you. Very interesting programme. Good. <laughs> thanks. 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 thanks very much indeed. And that was Doreen from Leiden. And we now go to Flo down in Manor Park. Hello, Flo. Hello. Could you tell me what's happening to my money plant? All the leaves are falling off. Oh, you're not going to win on... I, bits on. I don't reckon you're going to win on the lottery. What do you reckon, Flo? Oh, no, don't be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Um, it's got white bits on it. What are the white bits like? Are they like cotton wool or are they like little scaly things? Uh, little scaly things. What do you think? Yeah, merely Oh, hang on, they're saying cotton wool. Yes, hold yeah. on. My husband saying it's like cotton wool. That's mealy bug, me is it? That's mealy bug. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the reason that the leaf is falling. Um, have you... Overwatered it. Uh, oh. They very, I don't think so, they very no. often drop off they drop it because of the cold. Cold and yeah. wet. Keep okay. it. You need to keep them dry at this time of year. But you have got mealybug. Um, now you can buy sprays for mealybug. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you something that people have told me, but in fact I'm not allowed to tell you to use it because um, it's not doesn't mark on the bottle what what you you, you can use it for this. Uh -huh. And in fact. People tell me that you can use methylated spirit with a, a cotton bud, you know, an earbud. And yeah. if you dob it on the white bits of cotton wool, they tell me 
that it gets rid of it. But I couldn't possibly recommend it because I can only recommend things that are uh, legitimately passed by the by the the authorities. You see. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Is that all right, Flo? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Look after your money, Flo. I've, I've done that little cotton bud thing with that substance on it. It does help, it does work, It does work, rumour it, does work. We got a Christine in Waltham Forest. Don't forget, she's given us a call on 0800 111 4041. There's a line free at the moment. And how can we help you, uh, Christine? Oh, good morning to you. Uh, like that lady said, very interesting programme. I thank just you. want to go back over the lawn bit. You said a name of an organic fertiliser, organic muscular, and I couldn't catch the name, so I really phoned up to find out that. Well, I'm I'm guessing a bit, and that's the trouble. (laughs) I'm guessing a bit. I think it's called Mobacter, but I'm not 100% sure. What do you mean, mow like mowing a lawn? Yeah, that's what I think it is. Uh, is No, I'll tell you what it's called, because I've just checked. It's called Mo, M-O. Yeah. And then it's Bacter, B-A-C-T-E-R. More Bacter. B-A-C-T-E-R. Okay. And, it, and the thing is, it release, releases nutrients um, over a 12-week period, and it's 100% organic. So that's why um, a lot of people are move. A lot of people are moving away from chemical towards organic methods. Yeah. I know Christine was talking earlier about using, was it iron sulphate, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. No, was yeah. it or ferrous, Fer- ferrous, ferrous sulphate? Yeah. Um, That's all right, but it indoors all over your carpet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what, I made a mistake once. I, I put it in a spreader once. This is a long time ago. In a yeah. spreader and put it on a lawn, and it caught the tarmac uh, driveway. And, of course, the tarmac driveway went red. Oh, no. Black to red. So I wasn't very popular. <laughs> you can make mistakes quite easily. Sorry, can you just repeat again when is the best time to do do the moss? End of February, end beginning, of February beginning, beginning, March. Of Ma- beginning of March. Thanks. I think I think a lot of people this year have got a lot of moss because of the weather. Although the weather was nice last year, but I think it has caused havoc for the lawns. Do you know if I was doing my lawns this year as well, one thing I'd be quite mindful about is uh, spiking it to you yeah. know because it got really dry last year, just to release some of the um, the compaction in the lawn as well. Yeah, I've raked it all. I raked it all um, before Christmas. You know, October yeah. time. But I will do it again and then spike it, yeah. Yeah, and then if Thank you get some top dressing, is, is you know, after you've spiked it, put a bit of top dressing on as well because that always helps to retain the moisture as well in the summer months. What and do you mean by top dressing, sorry? You can buy it in bags or you can make your own up. And I really like the, if, you, if you're into your lawn, uh, Dr. Hessian does a yeah, a suite of books, and the lawn one is actually—it's they? probably one of the best lawn books I've ever seen. The Dr. Hessian book on lawns, and he's got recipes in there to show you how you can make your own uh, top dressing up. Uh, basically, it's just making up an organic mix. And if you've got a sandy soil, it's more soil based, and if you've got a heavy soil, it's more sandy based. The top dressing. Yeah. And it, it's just uh, you'd make it up in a wheelbarrow and then uh, just spread it over your lawn using a shovel, and it just gives that organic layer over the top of the on top of the lawn. It helps with drainage, but it also helps with retaining moisture if you've got a sandy soil, you know, during the the summer months as well. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye bye there. And that's Christine from Waltham Forest. And we go to Peter from Rayleigh. Hello, Peter. Oh, hi. Good morning. Is that Ken? Yes, it is indeed. I'm pleased to talk to you. Just a quick question, if I could. Uh, I've been growing vegetables in containers for a oh, couple yeah. of 
now with sort of mixed success. But I'm just wondering, all, I, all I've used in the past is uh, a good quality potting compost like John Innes. And uh, I'm wondering if I could also add something like uh, some manure or bark chips or something like that to the mixture, which would get, get, give me a better result overall. Um, you're losing... <sighs> The only thing I would possibly do, and I think it sometimes works, I wouldn't put bark chips in particularly because there's no nutrient value in it no, at all. I wonder whether you use a multi-purpose and add about a third. Yeah, that's what I, maybe even half and half sort of thing. You know, periwoods I'm always banging on about. They they do their own garden mix and they actually sell um, a loam base, which is John Innes uh, mix with a 50% mix of multi-purpose and they actually sell it in big plastic bags as their own compost. Or you can oh, make right. your own... Sorry, who, who is that? Sorry. Pe- oh, that- periwoods Garden Centres. And, oh, right, OK, great. Yep, I'll, yeah. I'll you can make. Do you know, you can make your own up as well. You could buy a bag of John Innes and a bag of multi-purpose compost and then just mix them together. And I think that would give you, you know, it would open up your compost a little bit more and it could maybe give you better results. OK, well, John Innes, number, say, number three or something? Probably yeah, number, number two. Uh, number, oh, yes, number two, because if you're sowing vegetables. seeds, yeah, and vegetables. Yeah. That's right, yes, yeah, seed, number two. OK, with a, yeah, that's fine. Thanks very much. That's a pleasure. And uh, that's Peter from Burley. Now, we had a couple of questions. I have an orchid plant uh, bought for me at Christmas. It's been lovely, but the flowers are now dying and an extra big green shoot has appeared. How do I look after it, please? Now, the new shoot could be a flower shoot, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what you do. <laughs> you don't normally, throw your dead orchids away, do you? you um, do you keep them? Or? I do keep them, but especially uh, the Phalaenopsis keep quite well, actually, as a, as a house plant. Should we take year. it that that's what she's got? It's because probably going to be that, yeah. I reckon that's what that is. So um, what we need to do <clears throat> is decide, OK, so it's died back. What I would do is I... Look, if it's brown stem, you cut it off, don't you? Yeah. Because that's dead. If not, you run your fingers down to about three buds down and then chop it there. Yeah. And you'll get a green shoot from it and it will flower again. Yeah. Really when quite, do you feed they, them then, they're Christine? Quite, they're quite, uh, you feed them. I was just trying to think. You feed them during the summer, don't you? Uh, during the summer period. I'd have to check that yeah, one up. Yeah, I, I think it's summer period or when it's yeah. coming back into flower. Because yeah. they don't flower always at Christmas or whatever, do they? No. That's the trouble. They're all over the place, aren't they, with their I'm sure you give them a resting period now, and then you'll start feeding them. Which um, should get it into flower. Every two weeks, yeah. And use an orchid feed, and there's little orchid drippers you can get, um, which are really good. Just cut the end off, push it in, the, uh, push it in, and that'll actually, uh, the, the, the moisture will come out from it with the feed automatically. It's as, it's as easy as that. Uh, another one from Stephen Shubri here. Um, good morning, Ken and Christine. Is it too early to pot up sweet pea seeds indoors ready for spring planting? You can do your sweet peas indoors about February, it's March. Too, in other words, yeah. too, you've got... It's end of February, really, isn't it, yes, Christine? Yes, it is, yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, they're pretty tough sweet peas. Can't you start them outdoors? When they're actually it? classed as a hardy annual. They are, aren't they? Which means that you can sow them outdoors, but with hardy annuals, you're better off doing your sowing your hardy annuals about March, April outside. March, April yeah. outside. And yeah. put them straight in they're, pots. Uh, put a couple in each pot, do you? Uh, so you? I put two in each pot, and yep. then if both germinate, you pull out the weaker one. 
yep. yeah, and leave the stronger one. If you're doing them outside, you could actually do them, if you're doing them against canes and you sow them direct outside into the ground, you could do two seeds, if you've got enough, at the bottom of each cane and do exactly the same thing there. And don't forget to nip out the tips to make the branch. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme. Every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Christine Lavelle is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from apple trees, tomato seeds and Victoria plums. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Jean from West Mersey. Jean, what are we talking about in Good your morning, garden? Ken. What are we talking about in your garden? Help, mate. Well, um, I'll tell you what, we'll try, shall we, Jean? I'm sure we will. Um, I'm going out today to try and get a lace capped hydrangea. And I'm wondering um, if I can get one. Is it too soon to put it in the garden, or should I keep it indoors? Oh, uh, don't people what I shouldn't. It sounds like I'm being rude to you, and I'm not. People worry that a plant has to go indoors. Now, if you go to a garden centre, what are they all doing? They're all sitting outdoors, aren't they? True. Yeah. So why would you put it indoors? Would oh, you buy right. now, Christine? I yeah. hydrangeas. Yeah. Then I bet there aren't many for sale at them this time of year because they normally sell them when they've got green growth on them, don't they? Yeah, if you go to a, a good um, garden centre, I mean, one of my favourites is Perrywoods. Have you ever been to Perrywoods? Oh, yes, it's on my doorstep, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because I live in Colchester, so it's one of my favourites. Well, it is my favourite, actually. <laughs> and Perrywoods <laughs> Not is that it. we're advertising. No, no, there are well, other, I'm there not. Are, <laughs> no, we must best say there are other there many are. good garden yeah, centres around. Yeah, and... Uh, and poplar nurseries are very good as well. But if you go to a good um, garden centre, there will be an array of uh, plants outside in their, their outdoor area. And even though they're not in flower, you'll be able to probably see if they've got some hydrangeas, which I would imagine they would do. And in terms of can you plant them out at the moment or not, of course, you, you know, you can plant them out. But one of the things that you should avoid doing is planting them if it's frosty. Right. And planting it if it's really windy as well, especially if you've got bare root plants, which it's probably not going to be. It's probably going to be in a pot. But yeah, so yeah. the the trick is to make sure that you've um, cultivated your soil before you plant it, and that means just turning it over, adding a bit of organic matter, you know, compost from your compost heap or a bit of leaf mold that you've got, and then and then putting it in position. And I must just add into that: if you haven't got either of those in your own garden, you can buy planting compost at a garden centre yeah good idea yeah and and i know christine mentioned frost but 
what she means, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm not correcting you, Christine. Oh, no, no, but, that's fine. But we're talking about frost in the ground, not just on the top, are we? Yeah. Well, will it sort of penetrate you yes. a little bit down yeah. through the surface? Yeah, yeah. which it hasn't yet. <laughs> yeah, because you can always scrape like surface. But yeah. what happens is if you dig in a plant and it's got frost and then you dig the, the frost in around the root system, that when the roots start growing out, the frost crystals can kill off some roots if you've yeah, actually dug yeah. it in in the frost. So yeah. that's oh, best to avoid. Avoid. Planning on keeping it in a pot, so that should be all right, oh, isn't it? If you're planting it in a pot, yes, and definitely use John Innes compost for it. John yeah. Innes number three. Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for all your help. Let us know which one you get and how we get on with it as well. Thank you okay? very much, Ben and Chris. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye there. And uh, that was Jean from West Mersey. And we go to Claire in Benfley. Hello, Claire. Hi. 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 Um, the problem is not in our garden, it's in the bedroom. Um, we've got this indoor plant that yes. I can best describe as looking like a big coconut, and it has tall, long green leaves that come out of it at one end, and all of a sudden it's just died, and I don't know why. Right, so we don't know what it is, but we... OK, let's just go for it. It's a house plant, it's in the bedroom. Yeah. Yes. And it's, and it it's not... It looks like a coconut... Yeah. Okay. Got tall, long green leaves. Is your well, right. m- well? Most house plants come from tropical areas, yeah. from you know warmer climates than we've got here. And they don't like winter purely because it, it's dry. Yeah, and and also the heating goes off in the night time usually, and then it gets colder or it's colder in the night time anyway. And so that fluctuation in temperature isn't really good for plants that come from warmer climates. So that could have an effect on it. You could have overwatered it. You could have underwatered well, it. The only thing I could think of was that it sort of coincided dying. We had the aircon in the bedroom all through the summer, and we didn't turn it off. Right. So it was a constant temperature in the bedroom the whole summer. And when we turned it off, that's when it sort of died. Do you think uh, that's what it was? Well, that's what Christine was just saying, fluctuating temperature. Is it a... F- right, we don't know what plant it is. Uh, you've described it as a coconut. Has it got frondy big leaves or not? Uh, what does frondy mean? Um, just tall... Is it like a palm? Yes. So you think tall it... Tall and slim leaves. Slim leaves? Yeah. So it's a cordyline or a, a dracaena or something like that, and the stem goes up and the leaves fall off occasionally? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Has it got a cluster of leaf at the top at all? No, every leaf is dead. I've looked in between the leaves for new growth, and it's all dead. It doesn't sound good. Um no. It's the soil damp in it. Yeah, I water it maybe once or twice a week. Yes, the soil is that, damp. I, I, think, I think Christine's cracked it. You said... Overwatering, didn't you? Yeah. And night temperatures drop, and they can't always cope with it. Um, don't throw it away. Let it dry right out, and see what happens to it before you throw it away. I never throw anything away, do you, Christine, to start with, or do you oh, chuck I, them out? I, I throw loads <laughs> of stuff away. If, it, if, it, if it's not, if it's not up to to the grade, it goes, and then I go and get another one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so. So watch and see how it gets on, um, but let it dry out first before you. If you're yeah, very, cut the dead leaves off. If the, if yeah. the leaves are dead, yeah. take them off. Yeah, yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. Okay, Claire. Right, lovely. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, Claire. And that's move Claire it, from Bentley. Move it out of the bedroom. Yeah, give it a bit, and it yeah. needs good light. Good yes. light. Uh, John from Rayleigh. Are we in the garden or are we indoors? Like uh, Claire was, John. We're in, uh, it's growing seeds. Oh, seeds. What seeds are you trying to grow? John? Some tomato seeds. Yep. And um, 
Right, okay. And well, we've never been really successful with growing seeds. Okay. Until you put it in compost, I tried seed compost and ordinary compost and never sort of got a really good show out of them. Where are you growing them, John? Greenhouse. In the greenhouse. Do you have any heat in the greenhouse? Propagators. You're using propagators? Yeah. Well, do you know what I would do if I was you if you're not getting... Yeah, really good oh, yeah. success. I would maybe try some in the propagator and then try some in the windowsill in the house because my dad does his in the I windowsill. Know. I mean, we've got all professional facilities at work, so obviously, you know, they, they, we've tried and tested and it's going to go. But on an amateur uh, basis, my dad does his in the windowsill and he gets his uh, pots that have got a little uh, plastic cloche over the top of them um, and then he sows his tomato seeds there, puts a little bit of compost over the top and then um, they're sort of contained within that, that little plastic cloche, and you get some really good germination from that. But one of the things is, are you sowing it at the right time of year? I would actually leave sowing your tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I would do it in March. Yeah. Yeah? So yeah, it's too early. Yeah, it's too early now, so I would wait till March. I mean, you, you can do them in February, but March is probably a better time to do them. Do they not germinate, or do you have... Uh, do they die when they've germinated? They don't just seem to germinate. They don't germinate. In a propagator, it's, it's, they should germinate. Uh, but it's probably, it seems to me, just from, obviously I can't yeah. see it, but it might be that it's not hot enough because tomatoes, again, are from warmer climates than we've got here yeah, and they right. do need a temperature of at least about sort of 18 degrees, so 15, 18 degrees to, to germinate. So bringing them inside on a windowsill would be maybe better than a cold greenhouse, perhaps. Yeah. Right. So if you've got cold greenhouse and a propagator, you're still up against it because the night temperatures are going to drop quite yeah. dramatically even though you've got a propagator. Yeah, yeah but it's all been bubble-wet. Yeah, but, yeah, but even although... You've got, yeah. You have got... I mean, this week, as an example, we had down to minus fours, didn't we? And then yeah. suddenly it goes up again. So fluctuating temperatures are quite difficult. And, in fact, last year's a good example where... When people were sowing, um, we had huge fluctuations in temperatures. So, yeah. in fact, that wouldn't have helped you last year. So, if it's not right. worked outside, I'd try it inside in the, you know, in the windowsill. And don't try it yet. You're a little bit early. Yeah. I mean, people have people have started growing chilies on their on the windowsills indoors at the moment because it gives good light. And I know somebody last week was talking about sowing chilies at this time of the year. All yeah. right. Right. So, so you could try a few of those on the windowsill even now and see how you get on. Not the tomatoes, but you could do the peppers. Right, OK, that's lovely. All right, let's know how you get on, can you? OK, might as well do it, Lovely. Don't forget that uh, you're listening to BBC Essex and, of course, we're also available on the BBC Sounds app. You have to go to Ken Crowther to find us on the BBC Sounds app, but you can listen, you can take it wherever you want on the app. So there and uh, we'll be talking to uh, talking about somebody who's obviously listens on the app, who's from Edinburgh, is asking about a plant that I was talking about just last week. Let's uh, now go to Bob in Rayleigh. Hello, Bob. Good morning, Ken. Um, since moving up here a couple of years ago... Say, uh, I... now, I'd like to know, where, where's up here from? From Portsmouth. Oh, so it's definitely up here, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> OK, Bob, yes. Right. Um, I caught the end of a conversation of yours a couple of weeks back, and you were talking about cocoa shells. Yes. Yes? We were. Um, I used them down there, mm -hmm. and I swore by them all around the pots and the borders and everything. Yeah. Since moving up here, I can't find them anywhere for love and money. 
They are of a... I've, I'm just, sort of, they've sort of gone out of fashion a bit now, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I think it's just... Yeah, I think it's out of fashion. And we did, and in fact, I'm going to have to mention it again because if not, um, people will ring me up. But there was somebody who rang in after my conversation. I don't know whether you can remember it. Can you remember my conversation, Bob? Because I was oh, yeah, talking... Yeah. We were talking about them and then somebody rang in and said that, they, uh, that somebody's dog had eaten them because they smell of chocolate. This yeah, dog had yeah. eaten them and the dog had died. Yeah, they're toxic to they're dogs. They're toxic yeah. to dogs. Yeah. So that is my reminder for anybody else listening that is thinking of using yeah. Coco Shell, don't if you've got an animal, that uh, a dog particularly. But, Bob, you should be able to get them. I mean, you can definitely get them online. I've seen them online. But a good garden centre should have them. You're in Rayleigh, Rayleigh, Rayleigh. Have you tried um, Alton Garden Centre at all? No, that's the only one I haven't tried at the present, but everybody well, Al- around here... Alton used to. I don't know whether they're listening at Alton. They used to listen to me at Alton when uh, we were on earlier in the morning. I don't know whether <laughs> they listen now. But if anybody's listening at Alton, Alton uh, Garden Centre and is selling them, uh, why not um, give us a ring? And uh, perhaps uh, perhaps we could, we could find out. Um, I also... Um, might be able to find out from somebody here because I know somebody who works at Alton Garden Centre and, in fact, um, they might be able to tell us. But, in fact, they're not listening at this moment. But I'll see what I can find out for you and I'll give you a call. Uh, we'll mention it on the airways. How about that? Is that, that all right? Lovely. OK, Bob. Thanks very much. Time now to take a look at the plant of the week, which is Lanistra fragrantissima. Everybody thinks of Lanistras as being honeysuckles. Well, yes, they are. But the difference is Lanistra fragrantissima is a shrubby one. There are other shrubby ones around, but I'm not going to go into those at the moment. So a woody honeysuckle shrub. However, what do you grow it for? I'll tell you what I grow it for. The perfume. It's so strong, it's like hyacinths. It's a native of China, and a Scottish plant hunter called Robert Fortune actually first discovered it in 1845. And one of the first known plants was in Hatfield House, the home of the Marquis of Salisbury. And it was first started to be sold in the UK in 1860. Do you know, when you look back at dates like that, it's quite surprising (laughs) where all these plants came from. It really is. Anyway, native of China. Deciduous plant. Um, In all honesty, as a green plant in your garden, it's... I shouldn't say this, but it's boring. It really is a boring summer plant, but it makes up for it in the winter. It drops its leaves, and in the winter, you get these beautiful white, creamy white flowers. They're set in pairs up the stems. Um, They have a little touch of lemon, but honestly, I think hyacinth is the best way of describing them. They are so sweet. In fact, some people would even say they're too sweet, but plant them somewhere near the house, that you can enjoy. I always remember walking to a house in Thaden Boys, standing by the front door, and I'm thinking, where's the hyacinths? And in fact, just on the corner of the house, there was a Lanistra fragrantissima, and it was beautiful. I'll never forget it. So um, it produces red berries, like a lot of honeysuckles. Not an exciting berry. Uh, you can grow them from the berry, and you'd have to give them a bit of a time, a bit of a cool time to get them to germinate, perhaps pop them in the freezer or something like that can often be used as a hedge um, with its ovate green leaves. It looks quite nice in summer, and you can be quite ruthless with your pruning. It puts up with partial shade, pretty well any soil, but it doesn't like sitting in water. 
The other thing, good thing about it, and of course there's lots of coastal areas in Essex, is that it'll put up with coastal conditions as well. If you want to give more to your friends, hardwood cuttings in autumn is the easiest way of growing them. So they are Lanistra fragrantissima. Buy it for its perfume, plant it near the house, but not too close to the house because it can, if you let it grow, grow six foot high and four foot wide. In fact, I recorded one of 15 metres, believe it or not, in this country. So watch out for it, but it's worth having in your garden. Uh, Sheila in Eastwood, what do you got for us today, Sheila? Oh, hello. Um, I really need to know how to look after a dendrobium. I had one for Christmas and it was full of flower, but they're now fading. Right. I want to know what to do. Dendrobium is part of the orchid family, isn't it, Christine? Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, the dendrodium, you only cut off pieces that have gone brown. Yeah. If not, you leave well alone, basically, don't you? Yeah, I mean, orchids, you, you could always pot it up if it needs potting up, but um, but they're actually better to be a little bit more confined than yeah. a normal house plant. And if you did want to pot it up, you'd have to get... Um, so special, or I would actually recommend getting special orchid uh, compost, which is made up mainly of bark. Right, so you look, really look after that the same as you do the Phalaenopsis ones, then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Are you oh. are you a bit of a, an orchid enthusiast? Well, I've had a couple of Phalaenopsis for ages. They've uh -huh. died off and then they've come again. But I've always used the drip feeders on them, yeah. and I wasn't sure. As this looks so completely different, I wasn't sure what to do. No, no, quite similar. All oh, right, I'll have a go at that then. Yeah, it's things like the cymbidiums that you treat, you know, slightly different because they're from cooler climates and so on. All oh, right. Oh, okay then. All right. Thank and you very much. Thank you very much thank indeed. You. That's and don't forget that number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. And what we were trying to find out, I don't know whether anybody at any anybody at Alton is listening, but we wanted to find out whether they sell cocoa shell as a mulch. Uh, and we'll see if we can find out for you. OK, uh, that was one. And anywhere else that's selling it across the county, give us a call because uh, we were after tracking it down, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, we were. OK, let's go back to the phones at 0800 111 That's the number to call or 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. And we now go to Paul. Paul in Whittam. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Ken. What? Um, I've yep. got a small dwarf a Victoria plum. Yep. In a pot which I bought from well-known breeder down near Walton, Clacton. Oh, right, yes. Uh, well, two or three of them down there, isn't there? And I bought it with like a plum and an apple. The others are fine, but the plum, most of it seems to have died off. Where you come out a little stem, they're only, you know, they're, I suppose they're about they're about seven foot high, I suppose. Yep. Then, but what, and it sort of it comes up, and you can see what, obviously where it's been grafted. Yeah. Then it goes up there, and then about the top four foot or so, I'm straight back, and it's dead. Yet it new new shoots are coming up from the bottom, not not from the soil, from the stem. I mean, can I take that down? Still come to the live bit and, and cut it off. Well, right. First, you shouldn't be. In theory, you shouldn't be pruning um, plums at this time of the year. I, know, I was wondering about that. I just, yeah. I just leave it for. Well, I would. It's the summer, I, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. prune them in the summer. I would actually, yeah. in some ways, I would leave it. I would yeah. take it. I would take it grows. back. To, I would take it take back it to back. the nursery. How, yeah. how old is it? 
Well, I bought it at the beginning of last year. Well, so you're the beginning of this year, aren't you now? Yes. Um, Was, is it in a container? Yes, it is. I bought them as, as patio plants. And it's still in the same container? Well, I, no, it came as... I had to put them in there. They, I think they were, were they bare-rooted. I'm not sure. I think they were, might have been. Could have been bare-rooted if you bought it this time of year. Yes, and... and do you know what I'm thinking, take Ken? A, take a picture. I'm, I'm thinking that it was really, really dry last year in the well, summer. Well, I did try to keep it watered. And also, what I'd done beginning of last season, all of them, is I, they said, we're going to scrape back the top inch off and put some fresh compost on, like John in his number three. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the apples... Um, lots of fruit on that. Not so much with the pear, but I think the pear caught. We had a frost last year. We yes, like frost. That caught the frost. Yeah. Um, but the the plum seems to be struggling all the time. You know, um, it's got some new growth on it. I just wondered if, like, it, if that, that old bit was cut off. Whether that new piece would depends well. how much how much new have you got? That's well, the stems come up about they're coming up about three or four feet. And is, this, that, is this, that below or above the graft? Uh, I think it's. Above it. Because if it's below it, you're just going to get the root stock. Yeah, no, no, it's above it. Yeah, so you could do that then, because that will Wait be the... Wait till it grows. Yeah. Wait till yeah. it starts growing. Get yes. into April at the earliest. Because I've never heard you say that sometimes if you cut them through, they, they bleed, don't they? No, you know, I no. Uh, uh, don't worry about you. Can't worry about plums and that. In at Easter, about it. Well, I don't know when Easter is, but April. Easter's late, quite late. Yeah, late April, you could yes. cut the dead bit off. Yep. and then see how the other bit grows. OK. But I would also drop them an email and say that you're a bit disappointed because send them a picture of it. Are you an emaily person? No, but funny enough, I had a, a, a catalogue through from them yesterday. <laughs> Give them a call. Give them yeah. a call and talk to them because they might yeah. just send you another one. I don't know. OK, thank you very much. All right, Paul, but always worth talking to suppliers and I don't think yeah. enough of us do. You know, yeah. it's go back and say, look, it's not quite doing Don't, don't. Go off the handle, just talk to them. And I think people are often happy to hear how good the stock is. Yeah. I think that's really important. So they are. That's uh, We're here to answer your gardening questions on 0800 And don't forget as well, you can text me, 81333. Start the message with the word Essex. Uh, we are now going to, where well, we were, Florence. Hello, Florence. Oh, hello. Hello. Good morning to you. I've got an apple and a plum tree in the garden, and I've recently bought some fairy gnome for the plum tree and was told this will do for the apple tree as well. Is this correct? No. Um, No. It's plum moth, and then you've got an apple moth, and they they actually appear at different times. Well, have you got two traps or one trap? Only one. No, you'd need a trap on each tree. Oh, they didn't say that. Well, how big the trees? Oh, they're quite size. Yeah, you definitely need one to each, wouldn't you, Christine? Oh. It's no good. Yeah. You know, if it's a reasonable sized tree, pheromone trap will trap the male uh, moths. To they end up being stuck to this disgusting stuff that's inside them. What a horrible way to go, isn't it's it? It's not funny, is yeah. it? But it's it, a sort it of. It also says on the packet to do this out in May. That seems rather late in the year. You put them out when it's flowering. Now your plum will flower before your apple. Normally, a plum will flower a bit earlier, won't yep. it, than apple? Yeah. So you need yeah. to actually put them out just as they're starting to flower. I see. Okay. That's, that's the most important thing. 
Okay, thank you very much. That's all right. That's a pleasure. Um, always ask and explain exactly what you're after because uh, too it's too easy to get the wrong thing for the wrong, isn't it? The wrong the wrong product for the wrong, yeah, you know what I mean. quite hard sometimes when people it try is. to explain it. And yeah. You've got to visualise it. <laughs> We're going to Leon C. It's not even sunny at Leon C, is it, Audrey? It's nice and warm, though. It is. It's, oh, it's, well, it's good. Gone. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Bit more cold next week, they promise us, but... I, I expect so, yeah. Goes anyway, up and down yeah, like a yo-yo. Want, well, I wanted to know, when do I cut my roses back? I need to have started <laughs> shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, and I, Ken and I are just laughing yeah. because... Yeah, we talk last, about that, don't we? Yeah, because last year we had it that, that Ken always does his earlier than mine, so... Mm. so are yeah. you a late March? But, Christine, when when do you actually do them? I do the, I do mine mid-March. Mid-March. I'm an about, early March. Yeah. Think. As soon as March comes in, I do them, but... Right. Yeah. The reason you wouldn't prune them now. Why is the reason you wouldn't yeah. prune them now, Christine? Well, if you if you prune them now and then you had some uh, like warm spell, say it got warmer. In fact, it's yeah. meant to be about eleven degrees at some mm-hmm. stage in the next week or so, that you could get the where you've pruned it back to. The buds can burst and oh. then growth can start. And then if you get oh. a you know the frost comes back, which yeah. it can do, uh, then these buds can well they can get killed yeah. off. Yeah. Why well, was why because they're shooting already? You know. I thought yeah. I've got. I don't worry about that. Don't don't worry about that at all. Just just let them shoot, and then yeah. you can. Um, did you do a winter prune on your roses yes, uh, to I did stop? That. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, just but taking I off when the. I've got to cut them right down, you know. Yeah, no, like cut, yeah, cut them right down to about two to three buds uh, in a goblet shape round about mid-March should be a good Thank time. You. I mean, Ken, the, the thing is, I think I probably do mine later because I was trained in Scotland. Oh, that and, will make a difference. And it does make a difference. But I think, uh, you know, most of the time, I think you could get away with doing it sort of, you know, sometimes round about late February, but it's these particular years where you get late frost, it's always better leaving it to yeah. March Either early or, or mid. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And what about uh, hydrangeas? I've got the flowers still on those. I'll leave them on because leave they'll on. offer a bit of protection to your buds that oh, are going I to flower see. below. And because if you because frost always sits on the top of a yeah. plant and works oh, its right. way down. So if you so remove I, these, the frost would sit on the buds at the top yeah, and then yeah. they could get frosted. So leave them on and take them off round about sort of like late March. And it's interesting Again. sitting here, Audrey, it's yeah. it's quite interesting sitting here because different, different people come in and, and work with me here on the programme. And in fact... Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's uh, Jeff Hodge came in and he said it's been proved, he says it's been proved, that it makes no difference at all. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's interesting but that I everybody have, has I different opinions, isn't it? Of hy- you know, oh, I, have, no. I have seen tips of hydrangeas flossy yeah. back. I oh, know. So yeah. I'd, I'd do the same as Christine. Leave them yeah. on until later on. Late all right? March. Thank you very much for your help, both of you. That's a pleasure, Thanks. Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, Ken, I think I think they actually look really nice in the frost I and do. so on when you've got the if We've you got leave a lovely, heads on. lovely bed, a garden that we look after against the wall, there's a bed of um, Annabelle. Oh yeah. And they've got these lovely brown heads on against yeah. the, a whitish wall. I tell oh, you what, it's lovely. a picture. Yeah. Brown stems, brown heads, gorgeous. Anyway. Uh we better move on. We go to Ray. Hello, Ray. Oh, good morning, Ken. I've got a question on lawn maintenance. Yeah. Um, following the hot summer last year, I had quite a number of uh, bare patches occur. Haven't had it before. And I do spike and fertilise the lawn. But these bare patches have now got moss on them. 
And what I thought I would do, um, if you could advise me, if I scraped uh, the uh, bare patches, put some turf dressing down, and then lawn seed, whether that's okay. But right. the turf dressing I've got is a bit black and sooty-fied, and I wondered if I should mix that with... Uh, compost it's funny actually you say that because um i was using some lawn dressing the other day and in fact i switched companies and uh, i i actually went from i can't remember which way round. one was a a scots product and one was a westland product so i've mentioned two products yeah and i don't know which is which but one was black and not as friable as the other one which was brown and the brown one was sandier. And it's quite interesting how they were yeah. both turf dressings, yeah. but they were very different. Yes, and in fact, yes, I've had that. And the browner yeah, one was definitely better. Westland, actually. I don't it's know where... Oh, well, it's black. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one's brown. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. The point is, we're talking moss here, aren't we? You've got moss yes, on uh, it. that's moss has grown over the bare patches. So yeah. we've got to get rid of the moss, haven't yeah, we, before you, we do anything, Christine? Yeah, you want to start doing your lawn maintenance roundabout in the springtime would be a, a good could, time. You could get rid of moss now, couldn't you? Could you? Get, you could get rid of moss lawn now. Time. Oh, you could get rid of moss now if you... Um, Treat if you, it. If you were going to turf it. So what you could do for these bare patches, you could actually get um, a half moon and cut these bare patches out and then get... Turf it's in. cheap, isn't it? Yeah, buy buy a bit of turf in and then cut the same um the, the same size out and then just fit it in there. That's one way that you could do it. If not, you're going to overseed as you and are. But you've ins- got yeah. the most important thing, Ray, is that you've got to kill the moss before yep. you remove it because yeah. you spread the spores. Yeah, and it will then spread and spread and spread. Right. And when would you yep. say it's? It, you see. So you know about killing the moss. I'm not. Uh, well, I know what you're saying about it, it does spread, but I'd rather just sort of like scrape it off with it. You're too organic. You've got to uh, kill it. I know. <laughs> no, hang on. There are some organic. Uh, there's one called Actobacter. I think it's known Actobacter. Actor, something like that. There is. There are some organic moss removers. Ray. Yeah, yeah. And they will actually fertilise your lawn at the same time. Mm. They will get rid of moss and they will fertilise your lawn. Mobacter. I think it's called Mobacter. All right. Look out for that. It it definitely works. But people, I mean, I went to a job the other day, um, not a job, I walked an area, and someone has seeded just recently. Yeah. Now, it might work, but it might not work. It depends on the weather, doesn't it? Well, again... So would could, you it, seed it, yet? No, I wouldn't, no, because because it's not that it might not kill the grass. It would, If you get some late frosts after it, it's germinated, you could really stress the grass out, that it just sort of sits there... You know, not doing very much. So what month would you actually overseed as uh, Ray's suggesting? So I would do it in March. So if I was going to seed, yeah. I'd do the whole thing in March. If I was going to turf, you can do it any time now, as long as it's not frosty. Does that help you, Ray? Yeah. Should I put lawn sand on sort of now to try and kill that moss off? No, hang on. There's. You, you said you talked about lawn dressing... Yeah, a uh, yeah lawn... I mean, I want to get rid of the moss first, obviously. Yeah, I would, honestly, I'd use a liquid moss killer or Mobacter, which is a natural organic one. The thing, about the, the thing about the lawn sand, and this is coming from an environmental point of view... It's not, I don't like uh, lawn sand Because that's got ferrous you... sulphate, isn't it? Ferrous sulphate. Yeah, and so what... You used ha- to have mercury. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> In the ha- good old days. It has been proven <laughs> that the birds come down and yep. get the moss... 
uh, that you've killed off, and they'll, they'll, well, not you personally, but, but in general. The nesting, yeah. They, the nest it, and they actually take the ferrous sulphate up into the, the nest with them. And so it doesn't affect the adult birds, but when the chicks hatch out from the nest, uh, their their skin is is, is, is exposed to, to the ferrous sulphate, and it burns them, and, and it can actually kill them. They are right. So that's why oh, yeah. I was saying well, I don't really like using moss killer. All right. No, thank you very much. Back to your garden questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Christine, what's your first one? Oh, well, a lot of people think this time of year there's not much to do in the garden. Well, there's loads. There's absolutely loads to do. And one of the things that I would recommend to people in the garden is to get out there and have a look at your compost heap and see you know, how it is at the moment. It's probably... Um, in a bit of disarray. So this is a good time of year to clean out your compost heap, to either take everything out the bin or take everything out your bay and then start to chop up bits that are too big. If you've got, if your compost heap has got too dry, to chop it up and water it and then re-layer it back in the compost heap. And then you're ready for it to start breaking down when the warmer weather comes along and getting good compost pretty, you know, quite soon into the spring. It's easy but you have to just look after it a little bit, really, isn't it? You do. People think you you know, you just leave a compost heap and it gets on with it. Well, it does, but it does it really slowly. To get that compost in your garden and have a good turn around in it, you need to do things. You need to water it. You need to keep it warm. And turn it over. And you need to turn it over to get the air in. Because when I was a, a wee girl, I just thought that it was the, the sun and the rain that broke down the leaves and everything that was in it. But it's the bacteria. It's all your little friends, your bacteria, the fungi. Then you get your bigger decomposers like worms and slaters, as we called them in Scotland, wood lice down here. And, the, you know, you need to make sure that they're in conditions that they like. So you need to give them air, you need to give them water and you need to give them warmth. So this time of year, if you haven't got a, a lid on your compost, if you've got an open one, you could get um, a tarpaulin to put over it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, it just gets too wet. What's your other tip for them now, then? So top tip, uh, other top tip is to just top your lawn off if, if it's not too wet in your grass and you see that it's even slightly longer, even in patches, it's worth just putting is, putting your lawnmower on a high cut and just going over and tipping your grass. And it means that when it does start growing in the spring that you haven't got too many what I'd call overgrowths, you know, where they're just too high and then when you cut them they're all yellow after that. Just a, a little tip on your lawn would be would be good at this but time. But avoid year. wet and cold weather. That's Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Wait for a sort of dry day, a dry sunny day to do it. Thank you, Christine. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Christine in Benfleet now. Sorry to keep you waiting, Christine. OK, <laughs> morning. Um, my question's about a salvia, uh, yep. hot lips. Yep. Um, can we move it? Because we, put, we planted it about three years ago. It's too near the front and it's very bushy. We did cut it back last year a bit but it's very bushy and we'd like to move it back. Is is that yeah. wise? <coughs> oh, you, and yes, when you, should we do it? Yeah, you certainly can do it. We've got loads in our garden, salvia hot lips. It's lovely. So okay. because it's just slightly tender, I would wait till round about March time to move it. March time. And then just make sure that you cut a really good root ball around it, you know, that you're not skimping on leaving, you know, too little root and too little soil. So try and get a decent amount of soil to move it with. Right. right. Okay. 
Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks. All right, Bye. and it, I'll tell you what, they're well worth growing. They really do, you know, value for money, they are. Sorry, oh, to, yeah. ca- sorry to keep you waiting, Barry. Barry, what you got for us? You've almost answered the question by one of the previous ones. But <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I've noticed a lot of uh, moss on my lawn. Yep. And I'm wondering when I can start putting moss killer down. It's interesting because I think um, that looking round a lot of gardens that I do in the week, um, I think that mainly it's a problem that the summer killed so many of our fine grasses yeah. that um, we've ended up with a lot more moss. Would you agree, Christine? Yeah, do you think absolutely. that's a re- response to it, isn't it? So the answer is when do you put your moss killer on? <laughs> is that right? That's, well, a, that's a question. Well, we're your boss killer because I, I work with a guy who's he's uh, worked with some guys at Wimbledon and some of the football clubs, and he works up at Russell College. And I and I was asking him what he thought about weed feeding moss kill one time a few years ago. You know how you can yeah, buy you it in a wanna, yep. and he says no, it's a bit like two in one shampoo that it never re- none of them really do the job. So you're actually better doing them separate. So do um, a separate so, moss kill. So and always do the moss kill before you do your scarification and your feeding and your over. So. That's usually done in March, so just yeah. a bit I before think you're then. A bit, you're a bit early, I think, yeah. for doing it, Barry. Yeah, I was thinking of the old um, um, false, false of iron. Ferrous sulphate, isn't it? Or sulphate of iron. Sulphate then. of iron. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. used that years ago on a cricket pitch, and it killed... <laughs> It killed the moss. I bet you it went black, didn't it? Goes it, it black. It went completely it? black. But I tell you what, the following season you couldn't get clubs out. <laughs> the batting was so great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what I'm thinking about: yeah. is the sulphate of iron, and when can I start using it? I would. I would not start moss killing generally at least till the end of February. In yeah. all honesty, I would say yeah. end of February, beginning, beginning of, of March. March. Yeah. Okay, right. that's lovely. Thank you very much. That's Barry. a pleasure, Barry. Uh, yeah. That's Barry sorted with his moss. A lot of moss problems, and there are yeah. a lot of moss problems. We go to Sid from Thundersea. Hi, Sid. Good morning, Ken and Christine. Um, morning. Just a question about. Uh, good morning. Just a question about laurels. Yeah. Um, I've got a, about hundred laurels. I, I I in pots about sixteen inches high. Uh, I want to put them in bigger pots. Can I yep. do it this time of year? And what I've I've got a choice of what to use. Uh, I've got some wood ash, some perlite, three-year-old horse manure, compost from garden centre, and topsoil. I wonder if I should use any of those and what ratio, please. Could, could oh, I just uh, ask you just out of curiosity? Yeah. Why are yeah. they in pots? Yeah. I actually bought a lot from uh, eBay from some Irish company. Very pleased with them. They are very reasonable price. Uh, I took cuttings off those. The cuttings have all, mostly all of them, been successful. Yep. And yeah. I've got them in pots. And I ultimately, I want to sell them or use them around the perimeter of some land I have. Right. As okay. A Don't forget though, if they're eighteen inches high, have you cut the tips out? Yes, that's when I took the cuttings. Uh, I took the cuttings, cutting them down and, and right. using that for cuttings. And every time a tip grows, have you got any side shoots? Yes, I have. That's all right. Cause that's it, good. And keep tipping it. Tip the side shoots, tip the tops, and you'll get a lovely bush. Yep. Now, so, what, what so you've, got, yeah. you've got compost. Is the compost a, well, a peat or, suit or similar 
compost, or is it a John Innes compost? It's um, it's uh, called Verve, the man, the people that sell it, and it's if I can mention the name, it's from B and Q in big bags. Right, so, so that will be a, a peat or an organic. Yeah. Multi- it's a multi-purpose compost, yeah. 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 Um, I wouldn't use that on its own. I remember no. get some. I'd mix it with soil. You said you got soil. Yeah, topsoil. Topsoil, multi-purpose. I wouldn't put any old horse manure in there. No, none of that. No, perlite. Don't need it. You can. I, you can I just mix, mix can, the two. Yeah. Soil, fifty-fifty. Soil and yeah. soil and the compost, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I, 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 always, I always quite like mixing a bit of perlite and not a huge oh, amount. Just a bit. Just to just to open it up. They are. But I've got. That's I've why got they're look, in at the moment. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Go on. I've got a little tip for you that how you were saying you're yeah. going to put it around the perimeter of your your area. Well, you know, potting plants up it costs a lot of money for the compost and a lot of time as well. Yeah. So if you're actually thinking about putting them around your put them in, yeah, just put them in. Yep, just put them in now. It will not. I would actually because they're evergreens. Well, are they outside at the moment? Yes, they're all outside. Yeah, yeah. so the yeah, I, I would put them in now then because they'll all have been yeah. hardy enough. And so that'll save you having to pot the ones that you're and going the, to put around your perimeter and then, keep, and then pot the rest up. And keep the others for selling. How about that? Yeah, now that's great. Just one more. Uh, would you put the wood ash in the mix at all, or isn't that worth... It's my own from a wood burner, actually, so I know what the uh, yeah. wood is and everything. Not wood, something I've really no, done, actually. No, wood ash no. I would put into soil areas and dig in. I would add yeah. it to compost heaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I would not necessarily mix it in case some of it is exposed on the soft white roots and it could burn them. Mm. I see. Oh, and did, I don't know if I asked you, can I do this now? I think yes. I should ask you. Actually. Yep, so no I problem at all. Any yeah. time now. Yep. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for all your help. That's a pleasure. Uh, yes, Sid from Thundersley potting up his laurels. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 That's 0800 111 That's the number to call. Not many texts today on 81333. Start the message with the word Essex. Very quiet. Um, Have we done the one from Edinburgh but, yet? No, we haven't done Edinburgh yet. I'm in trouble, am I, yet? <laughs> Let's, um, I've got another one. No, let's, let's go to Dunmo first. Let's pop over to Dunmo and talk to Derek. Aren't we, Derek? Good morning, Ken. Hello there. And how, how's you today? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. I've just right. got back from walking the dog, sir. Oh, right. So, gardening. What are we doing yeah. in the garden? Snowdrops. I've always had snowdrops, um, but they seem to be coming up in all sorts of places at the moment, and I'd like to transplant them. When do I do it? Well... There's several times you could. Uh, the best time that most people say is um, is is buying them in the you know in the green. So you can dig them up. Yeah, but actually, do you know when they're actively growing? When? Uh, well, it's when, now. When? It's now. Now. So just do it now. Do it now. I I would usually wait till the flower had finished. Yeah, possibly. if you yeah enjoy wait, them, wouldn't but you? But actually, you know, I spoke to. Um, Dave, who's the head nurseryman at Beth Chatter Gardens, oh, yeah. we talked that chat yeah, no, about Dave, snowdrops, yeah. and um, and Dave was saying that actually the best time is just when they're just coming up, oh, because right. because if you transplant them, if they're just coming up and they're still growing, they'll put root down in the area where you've transplanted them to. I mean, the other best time is after the flower, but actually, if they're still doing a little bit of growing now, which they are, I would do it now if it's not going to, uh, if you're not too bothered about the flowering. Okay. Oh, fine. 
Yeah, Derek. I'd like to get them all together yep. to make a show. Uh, they do, and then they'll spread more. If they're, if they're in clusters, they seem to spread easier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, and what about bluebells? I've got bluebells that are well, going mad. They're pigs to dig up because they're so deep. But yeah. again, the same, after flowering. After flowering. When you've still got your green on them. Oh, yeah. lovely. Okay, oh. thanks very much for your help. The uh, bluebells are a real pain, though, to dig, aren't they? Now, I'm going to... I've got to go to... We'll go to travel in just a little while, but um, I will read this out because it's from Marianne Everett Dovink, and she's in Craiglee Road in Edinburgh. She says, Saturday morning, you talked about the magic of Daphne. I've got a variegated deciduous one. I don't think it is deciduous. We think it's Aurea marginata, don't we? Yeah, we we do, yeah. Has a main stem from that stem... 2.5 2.5 feet, she has produced many weeping branches. That's quite high. She has now become very white. I know it's a feminine. She's feminine, this plant. Surprise, has flower buds. It has taken a very long time, nearly four years. They are pedantic, aren't they? They don't uh, always do you know, yellow. They either like you or they don't like you. They're a bit, yeah. I hope they will open when it gets a little warmer. She is in Scotland, it'll be colder. Seeing them (laughs) is more difficult due to the drooping branches. I have two questions. When can I cut back these very low branches and what feed should I give it to encourage it to flower again? You cut back. When would you cut back? It's an evergreen. Well, you shouldn't really cut it back. But if she wants to. Uh, April. April. Yeah. So they are. You cut that back in April. Um, in terms of the feed, I'd just give it a good um, feeding of fish blood and bone. Fish blood and bone, it's again, a now. One. Yeah. now. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we see it's bacteria, it's, it's broken down by the bacteria, so I would maybe wait till about March time to do that. Now, it's south-facing, but she's surrounded it by, fa- by stones. I wouldn't. I'd, remo- I would, I'd remove the stones. I'd remove the stones and put a, something a like a mulch, yeah. because that will look after it a lot better, yeah. and that will hold it moister through the summer period yeah uh, she thanks dave gillen and myself for the advice right and she says we're a great deal warmer down here and i must say that um we're a bit she says we're too early for her well it is 11 o'clock but anyway she <laughs> listens on the bbc sounds app which right. don't forget our program goes out live and is available under ken crowther on the bbc sounds app so that's where uh, she listens. That's Marianne. Hope you heard that, and you'll be listening on oh. the Sounds app to catch up with that. Well, hello to everyone from Edinburgh. Because I, I was born in Edinburgh, and there you do, go. do you know what someone from Edinburgh who's born there is called? No. An Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. There you go. We'll be back to your calls, texts, and emails shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips Christine has for us this week. Well, this time of year, when you we were staying earlier on, you don't really think that there's much to do. One of the jobs that we used to do, and it didn't matter if it was frosty or whether it was really cold, we'd go and clean the greenhouse out at the National Trust. And you could do the same in your your lean-to or your greenhouse in your garden. And that just means not just cleaning the the glass, but if you've got any pots in there, to clean your pots, to stack your pots, to get rid of any weeds in the greenhouse... Um, and then to look at your benches and get a um, like a wire brush, uh, and then just give it a really good clean. So they are. That's another one. Yeah. And have you got another one for us? Last one is: Have you ever sharpened your secateurs? People don't, do they? No, they don't. Not really. Not taking them apart. Well, you could get some spanners uh, or some screwdrivers. Take your secateurs apart. Right. Give them a good clean. Get an oily rag. 
uh, WD-40 as well. And then just clean clean all your bits, sharpen your blade, get an oil stone. You can buy one online really quite easily. Uh, and then sharpen your blade, put your secateurs back together, and then you'll be ready for your rose pruning in March. Although I know that you like doing it earlier. <laughs> not, not always. And the other thing is, just on that sharpening, you've got to watch you don't sharpen both sides of the blade, don't you? Yeah. If it, if, because it's just sharpening one side, because if not, you'll form a, a, a gap, won't you, which won't cut properly. Yeah, we were just doing it with the students just mm. last week, actually. And I said to the students, do you realise there's only um, one, one, side. one side that's sharp? And I asked Mick, my, my husband, Mick Lavelle, why you don't sharpen them on both sides? Because I got asked that question as a lecturer. And I thought, do you know, I don't know. So I went and asked the Oracle, Mr Mick. And he said it's because if you sharpen both sides, they get really thin, that's the right. blade. It breaks off and, and obviously it doesn't cut properly then. So it, better just to sharpen one side and when you take the blade off you'll actually see which side is sharp in order you know because it's a, a slight angle isn't it it is yeah yeah so, that's a great tip and uh, thank you christine for that one as well and we go straight to doreen from Langdon. hello doreen hello good morning to you both um can i ask you i bought uh, some dahlia tubers now, on the packet, it says plant as soon as you get them. But <laughs> I presume it's too early to plant them outside. You're is dead. It, You're dead. too early to <laughs> them up indoors. You're dead right, actually. And, uh, in fact, um, Dave Gillam, who's a bit of a dahlia expert, he's, uh, he's, I think he's president of the Society, of the Dahlia Society at the moment. And, in fact, he was in last the other week, and he was saying that okay. they're selling them, but they're in a packet. Get them out the packet yeah. and keep them somewhere cool and dry. Yeah. Now, as for planting them up, planting them up indoors, did you say? Yes, in pots in the. I thought in the pots in the conservatory. No, I don't start it's doing that till about March. Cold. No, I do them in about March. Yeah, is it oh, cold? No, so it's much too early. You can't put them out till well April May when yeah. the frost has finished. No. You yeah. see, May would be a good time to put them out, but we we pot ours up in March. And uh, we've, after we've lifted them, and if you've got them now, just do in exactly packets. what uh, Ken says. Take it out of the packet. And I get something like they a seed. They sweat otherwise, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and I get a seed yeah, tree. And yeah. maybe just put a little bit of compost in at the bottom, compost and sand. Dry mixed. compost. Yeah, and then you put them on top of there. And then you could just do a little sprinkling of compost over there just to keep them a little bit, little bit moist. Boy, and keep, yeah. yeah, and keep them in a frost-free area. Okay, yes. Okay, I'll do that. Yes, thank you very much to both of you. Very interesting programme. Good. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. thanks very much indeed. And that was Doreen from Leiden. And we now go to Flo down in Manor Park. Hello, Flo. Hello. Could you tell me what's happening to my money plant? All the leaves are falling off. Oh, you're not going to win on... I, bits on. I don't reckon you're going to win on the lottery. What do you reckon, Flo? Oh, no, don't be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Um, it's got white bits on it. What are the white bits like? Are they like cotton wool or are they like little scaly things? Uh, little scaly things. What do you think? Yeah, really oh, hang on, they're selling cotton wool. Yes, I was yeah. on the... It's, oh, my husband's saying it's like cotton wool. <laughs> mealybugs, me, is it? That's mealybug. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the reason that the leaf is falling. Um... Have you overwatered it? Uh, oh. They very, so, they very no. often drop off they drop it because of the cold. Cold and yeah. wet. Keep okay. it. You need to keep them dry at this time of year, but you have got mealybug. 
Um, now, you can buy sprays for mealybug. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something that people have told me, but in fact, I'm not allowed to tell you to use it because um, it's not doesn't mark on the bottle what, what you, you, you can use it for this. Uh-huh. And in fact, people tell me that you can use methylated spirit with a, a cotton bud, you know, an earbud. And if yeah. you dob it on the white bits of cotton wool, they tell me that it gets rid of it. But I couldn't possibly recommend it because I can only recommend things that are uh, legitimately passed by the, by the, the authorities, you see. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Is that all right, Flo? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Look after your money, Flo. I've, I've done that little cotton bud thing with that substance. It does before, help, it does work, it? It yeah. does work, rumour yeah. it does work. Uh, we got a Christine in Waltham Forest. Don't forget, she's given us a call on 0800 111 4041. There's a line free at the moment. And how can we help you, uh, Christine? Oh, good morning to you. Uh, like that lady said, a very interesting programme. I thank just you. want to go back over the lawn bit. You said a name of an organic fertiliser, uh, organic moss killer, and I couldn't catch the name, so I really phoned up to find out that. Please. Well, I'm, I'm guessing a bit, and that's the trouble. <laughs> I'm guessing a bit. I think it's called Mobacter, but I'm not 100% sure. What you mean, mow like mowing a lawn? Yeah, that's oh. what I think it is. Uh, it, it, no, I'll tell you what it's called, because I've just checked. It's called Mo, M-O. Yeah. And then it's Bacter, B-A-C-T-E-R. More Bacter. B-A-C-T-E-R. Okay. And, it, and the thing is, it release, releases nutrients um, over a 12-week period, and it's 100% organic. So that's why um, a lot of people are move. A lot of people are moving away from chemical towards organic methods. Yeah. I know Christine was talking earlier about using, was it iron sulfate, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. it or ferrous, Fer- ferrous, ferrous sulfate? Yeah. Um, the same That's all sort- right, but it treads indoors all over your carpet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, I made a mistake once. I, I put it in a spreader once. This is a long time ago. In a yeah. spreader and put it on a lawn. And it caught the tarmac uh, driveway. And, of course, the tarmac driveway went red. Oh, no. Black to red. So I wasn't very popular. <laughs> you can make and, mistakes quite easily. Sorry, can you just repeat again when is the best time to do do the moss? I th- end of February, end beginning, of February beginning, beginning, March. Of March, beginning of March. Thanks. I think I think a lot of people this year have got a lot of moss because of the weather. Although the weather was nice last year, but I think it has caused havoc with the lawns. Do you know if I was doing my lawns this year as well, one thing I'd be quite mindful about is uh, spiking it to you yeah. know because it got really dry last year, just to release some of the um, the compaction in the lawn as well. Yeah, I've raked it all. I raked it all um, before Christmas. You know, October yeah. time. But I will do it again and then spike it, yeah. Yeah, and then if you get some top dressing, you know, after you've spiked it, put a bit of top dressing on as well because that always helps to retain the moisture as well in the summer months. What do you mean by top dressing, sorry? You can buy it in bags or you can make your own up. And I really like the, if if you're into your lawn, uh, Dr. Hessian does a yeah, a suite of books, and the lawn one they're is good, actually, aren't they? It's probably one of the best lawn books I've ever seen. The Dr. Hessian book on lawns, and he's got recipes in there to show you how you can make your own uh, top dressing up. Uh, basically, it's just making up an organic mix. And if you've got a sandy soil, it's more soil based, and if you've got a heavy soil, it's more sandy based. The top dressing. Yeah. And it, it's just uh, you make it up in a wheelbarrow and then uh, just spread it over your lawn using a shovel. 
and it just gives that organic layer over the top of the on top of the lawn. It helps with drainage, but it also helps with retaining moisture if you've got a sandy soil, you know, during the, the summer months as well. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye there. And that's Christine from Waltham Forest. And we go to Peter from Rayleigh. Hello, Peter. Oh, hi. Good morning. Is that Ken? Yes, it is indeed. I'm pleased to talk to you. Just a quick question, if I could. Uh, I've been growing vegetables in containers for a couple of seasons now with sort of mixed success. But I'm just wondering, all all I've used in the past is... Uh, a good quality potting compost like John Innes and uh, I'm wondering if I could also add something like uh, some manure or bark chips or something like that to the mixture which would get, get, give me a better result overall um, you're losing the only thing I would possibly do and I think it sometimes works I wouldn't put bark chips in particularly because there's no nutrient value in it no, at all isn't. I wonder whether you use a multi-purpose and add about a third yeah that's what I, maybe even half and half sort of thing you know periwoods I'm always banging on about they they do their own garden mix and they actually sell um, a loam base which is John Innes uh, mix with a 50% mix of multi-purpose and they actually sell it in big plastic bags it is their own compost or you can oh, make right. your own Sorry, you who, who is that so Pe- oh, that periwoods garden centers and oh, uh, right okay great yep I'll, yeah I'll or you can make do you know you can make your own up as well you could buy a bag of john innes and a bag of multi-purpose compost and then just mix them together and i think that would give you you know it would open up your compost a little bit more and it could maybe give you better results Okay, well, John Innes, number, say, number three or something? Probably yeah, number, number two. Three. Uh, number, oh, yes, number two, because if you're sowing seeds, yeah, and vegetables. Yeah. That's right, yes, yeah, seed, number two. Okay, with a, yeah, that's fine. Thanks very much. That's a pleasure. Thank and you. Uh, that's Peter from Burley. Now, we had a couple of questions. I have an orchid plant brought, uh, bought for me at Christmas. It's been lovely, but the flowers are now dying and an extra big green shoot has appeared. How do I look after it, please? Now, the new shoot could be a flower shoot, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you... Normal, <laughs> you don't normal. throw your dead orchids away, do you? you um, do you keep them? or I do keep them, but especially uh, the Phalaenopsis keep quite well, actually, as a, as a house plant. Should we take year. it that that's what she's got? Because it's probably going to be that, yeah. I reckon that's what that is. So um, what we need to do <clears throat> is decide, OK, so it's died back. What I would do is I, look, if it's brown stem, you cut it off, don't you? Yeah. Because that's dead. If not, you run your fingers down to about three buds down and then chop it there. Yeah. And you'll get a green shoot from it and it will flower again. Yeah. They're really when quite, do you feed they, them, then, Christine? They're quite, they're quite uh, you feed them. I was just trying to think. You feed them during the summer, don't you? Uh, during the summer period. I'd have to check that yeah, one up. Yeah, I think it. I think it's summer period or when it's yeah. coming back into flower because yeah. they don't flower always at Christmas or whatever, do they? No. That's the trouble. They're all over the place, aren't they? With their. I'm sure you give them a resting times. period now, and then you'll start feeding them, which um, should get it into every flower every two weeks. Yeah, and use an orchid feed, and there's little orchid drippers you can get, um, which are really good. You just cut the end off, push it in the, uh, push it in, and that'll actually uh, the. the the moisture will come out from it with the feed automatically. It's as it's as easy as that. Uh, another one from Stephen Shubury here. Um, good morning, Ken and Christine. Is it too early to pot up sweet pea seeds indoors, ready for spring planting? 
Well, you can do your sweet peas indoors about February, it's March. Too, in other words, yeah. too, you've got... It's end of February, really, isn't it, yes, Christine? Yes, it is, yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, they're pretty tough sweet peas. Can't you start them outdoors? When they're actually do... classed as a hardy annual. They are, aren't they? Which means that you can sow them outdoors, but with hardy annuals, you're better off doing your sowing your hardy annuals about March, April outside. March, April yeah. outside. Yeah. And yeah. put them straight in Dirt. pots. Uh, put a couple in each pot, do you? Uh, so I put two in each pot, and yep. then if both germinate, you pull out the weaker one. Yep. Yeah, and leave the stronger one. If you're doing them outside, you could actually do them, if you're doing them against canes and you sow them direct outside into the ground, you could do two seeds if you've got enough at the bottom of each cane and do exactly the same thing there. And don't forget to nip out the tips to make them branch. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme. Every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. 